Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're joined this week by JB, and I've got Pistol here with me to do the full JLT2 recap. How are you, Pistol? Bad, JB. Okay, so <laughs> we'll jump straight into the Patreon. The Patreon uh, sign-ups for the week. Uh, much appreciation to Tim Jones, Toby Payne, Rob Hull, Tom Warner, Alistair Danock, and Clayton Pierce. No relation to Clayton Oliver because it's only the first name they have in common. <laughs> Pistol. So, uh, thank you everyone to uh, for signing up to our Patreon. We hope you're enjoying the Slack channel for those that are involved there. Uh, it's been going off for the last couple of weeks. It's very close to lockout, so a lot of people scrambling with their teams in the Rate My Team section. It's been a lot of fun. So, do we have a Cancer Council update, Pistol? We do, but just before I get there, um, funny story. When Clayton joined the, the Slack chat, um, I did say, <laughs> welcome, Oliver. And then for about like two hours later, I saw these messages be- with people being like, oh, I see what you did there, like, haha. And I genuinely had no idea what they were talking about. And <laughs> as I as I got to bed and I'm like reading through Slack, I'm like, oh, shit. I, uh, oh, now I've sworn on the podcast as well. Jamie, That's all so right. It's going bad. That's fine. I've, uh, accidentally called him the wrong name and I didn't even realize it until I was uh, yeah, in bed. So it was a completely accidental um, calling of Clayton Oliver. So that's how much my mind is focused on uh, Supercoach at the moment. It's a compliment though. He's a good looking guy, good good footy player, all in our teams, besides I mean, yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, nervous laugh. <laughs> and on to the Cancer Council we have. Uh, on the Cancer Council, um, so an update. Uh, we last received a donation to the Cancer Council a month ago today. So um, still trekking well if you take like a three-year sample size. If we were to take a one-year <laughs> sample size, uh, not so great. Um, so hopefully, you know, coming towards the beginning of the season, there might be um, some donations to the Cancer Council or, you know, if you cop a donut somehow in the first week, you might uh, donate for donuts or... Or something like that, but I think it is um, important, JB. Just like uh, the Cancer Council looks good over three-year sample, but poor in the last month. I think that's kind of how people are looking at the JLT scores uh, for this weekend with a with a two-game sample size compared to multiple seasons. That is easily the the worst. <laughs> the worst. Uh... And now segue? Kind of segue, that's the one. That's the worst segue into what we're about to do, but we'll just go with it anyways. Uh, we had Geelong versus Essendon for the first game uh, of the JLT2 round, and it wasn't a bad one, actually. It was Cats beating the Bombers, uh, making the Bombers 0-2 for the JLT series, but we'll talk about Geelong first, and we'll kick off with Joel Selwood. Racked up 38 disposals. Uh, very dominant performance, 153 supercoach points, so something quite quite winding back the clockish of Joel Selwood. What are your thoughts on Joel? Because he said that he's going to be going into more of a wing role this year, or even a little bit of half back. Will that affect him negatively, positively? We know he's such a contested possession player, but if he's just running straight into that midfield to try and get those you know touches early on anyway, he might be a sneaky point of difference, or are we just out of consideration for Joel? Look, I mean, he just scored 153. Um, I know it was a JLT, but you can't really rule out somebody with that type of ceiling. But even so, not just the ceiling, but his past history speaks for itself. I don't think he's the best selection, but he's also not the worst premium option that you could consider. He's definitely a uh, POD, 
But I feel like there's just better value plays around. Like, he's not really that cheap, JB. He's right in that, you know, kind of top echelon of players. So you really need him to score, like, much better than your Matty Crouches, I guess, for him to be worth it. And I, I don't really see that happening this season. Yeah, and POD, as you said, only in 2% of teams thus far. There's obviously a reason for that, uh, people being a little worried about the, the new role that he's going to be taking part in. Someone to watch throughout the season, I don't think his best is 100% past him. So if he's thriving in this new role, we won't have to pay too much more than his starting price, if anything more, to get him in. So patiently waiting for him. Luke Dowhouse was the second best performer in this game in total with 118 supercoach points, 25 disposals, playing a forward role Dowhouse, had eight tackles, really played that that forward pressure act, uh, kick sort of one goal but get a few score assists like type of game. Only 67% time on ground as well. I don't think anyone's strongly considered Dowhouse this preseason, but maybe we should start considering him a week out from the season. What are your thoughts there? Oh, I, I I don't think so. I mean, he has the past history and he has, you know, basically been on the steady decline for the last few years, but it's more about his role rather than his actual scoring ability. At the Bulldogs, he kind of just got pushed further and further from the centre um, into um, the forward line, kind of became a surplus to their requirements. He's joined the Cats and really obviously was recruited for that forward pressure role. Um, I don't really see him being able to join the midfield rotation unless there's injuries or they're absolutely desperate. And for that reason, I don't really think that he's a worthwhile uh, super coach option for season 2019. Yeah, and won't make you a lot of cash at 418k. So if he was uh, sort of cheaper, if he was around the 300k mark, I think he'd be heavily considered. But 418, you're picking him to be a premium player, so not really in a lot of people's wheelhouse there. So we'll move on to the third option for Geelong. I think it's going to be a lot of Geelong chatter in this game. Tim Kelly, forward eligible, 110 supercoach points, played predominantly midfield as he did in JLT1. What are your thoughts on his and Menegola's role going into the season? Menegola only had the 59 this week, but was almost best on in JLT1. Uh, Tim Kelly... Had a poor score in JLT1, almost best on this game. Is this the sort of thing that we're going to expect from these two? Are they reliant on each other's sort of switching in and out of position? Or is it maybe just a random circumstance? Yeah, it's it's hard to predict the future. Um, because if we could do that, we'd all win the 50k, <laughs> JB. So right. his, his role's not you know locked as a pure mid. It's not locked as a pure forward. He'll obviously be switching it up uh, throughout the season. And with that, we'll come you know large variations in his scores I think both Tim Kelly and Menegola are worthwhile candidates for your starting teams both of them that you know f2 f3 position um, they could be really really um, you know rewarding my issue with any Geelong selection however is their opening fixtures and I, I feel like it makes for a very good upgrade target I'll just read out their first couple of games um, they've got magpies demons crows in Adelaide giants Hawthorne Eagles. Um, so essentially, they're playing five top teams in their first six rounds. Uh, you can figure out for yourselves uh, which one isn't the the top team that I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, after that, obviously, their draw just like significantly eases up. Um, and that to me feels like Tim Kelly or Menegola would be you know prime upgrade targets. Um, you know, just after that period as well. So uh, I'm kind of 
tempted to start one of them just because I know at some stage I want the other, but then the buy situation kind of gets a bit funny with all of them, um, you know, Dangerfield and Heaney as well sharing the same buy, so it becomes a, a little bit difficult uh, to manoeuvre during those buy rounds if you were to get all of them. Um, I think you could get three players, so Dangerfield, Heaney, and one of the Geelong boys um, until the buy, and then afterwards maybe you could grab the other one, but yeah, gun to your head, JB. Would you pick Kelly or Menegola? <laughs> That's very tough. I think uh, I think Menegola's floor is a little bit higher than Kelly's. Uh, he also has that consistency of average of the last few seasons that you know Kelly sort of broke out, obviously last season being his first year. Uh, so I'd back in Menegola to do the same thing that he's done for a couple of consecutive years now. But I think we can say with a decent amount of confidence that both these players will be in the mix for that top eight. If not, both will be in amongst and you know within that top eight in the forward line. So I think we'll end up with both in our sides by the end of the season anyway. Yep. No, I definitely agree with you there. Okay, so we'll move on to Patrick Dangerfield. I don't think anything really needs to be said, but I also don't think his ownership is high enough. Pistol, he's in, <laughs> he did 68% time on ground, 128 super coach. He honestly looks like he's back to his explosive best and 125-plus average is not beyond him. I I can see this uh, Paddy Dangerfield of 2019 going 130-plus, like wind in the glory days where we just like lock in Dangerfield C every week. I feel like we're almost in that territory. Yeah, and I, I do as well. I can't think of any reasons at all that he, you know, he won't pull that out besides you know sporadic injury throughout the season which we can't predict if Dangerfield's fit he's going to be scoring around that 130 plus mark each week I think so not in enough teams I don't know how anyone could justify not starting him but we'll move on so Harry Taylor is the next one here on the list 107 super coach I don't think he's been spoken about at all in the preseason he's a defender and he's only 260k pistol so what are your thoughts here if he I mean he's probably got that position locked down it's his to lose really he's the veteran tall floating defender what are we what are our thoughts there on harry tally he has okay scoring potential at like at 262k i think he's been overlooked a little bit well we're talking about someone that's gone you know 90 plus in years prior and does have uh what is it five years above 80, in the 80s as well. So the scoring potential is there. He obviously scored worse last year due to injury and also um, has been playing in the forward line. I think this year um, there's probably more of a chance that he is the one that stays back and maybe Henry can float forward uh, more if needed. But really, at 262K, it, it's, it's a big risk to pick up you know, somebody like him um, where his ceiling is. Like it's not he's not going to be scoring ninety pluses. Like, yeah, he's he for for the year you'd expect his average to be more in the seventies, and you're not really making enough cash. Um, I think to choose him as a starting selection. Yeah, I think he's very on that that borderline of he could make you enough money, but at the same time, he could flop spontaneously, and you know you could have spent another sixty k and just gotten someone like Brody Smith or. Uh, if hopefully Robertson gets on the park this year, you know, someone like Robertson, who I think is a much safer pick uh, at around the same price. So I think any other year we'll be considering Harry Taylor very strongly, but with the amount of options we have, I just don't think it's his year this year. So we'll move to the three rookie selections for the Cats, and that is 
Uh, sorry, I've just lost the first one. The constable is the first. Uh, the defender, Jordan Clark, is the second. And then it's Atkins in the midfield that is the third. I think it was there was a quote earlier today that only two of the three were likely to play. And I think the defender, Jordan Clark, has been all but locked in by the coach at the moment. So out of Constable and Atkins, we'd love for both of them to play. Which do you think is most likely? That's a, a tough question. I, I felt like Constable had you know the year in the VFL kind of being groomed to play. But honestly, after watching the JLT, I feel like Geelong need those you know high-pressure forwards. And Atkins just performed his role both weeks really well. And, you know, he's, he's a mature age and they recruit him for a very specific reason. So I don't see why they would, you know, recruit someone for that role, him play it to perfection, I guess, in the JLT, and then not use him throughout the season proper. So, you know, he's AFL ready. And if I had to guess, um, I actually do think that all of them will play. I don't know if uh, it was a guaranteed two out of three, but um, if I had to guess which two... I feel like Atkins is uh, the one. So uh, for me, he's only 112k. His scoring potential is not that high, but I think he'll you know make you a an easy 150k. So uh, for me, that's why Atkins is in my side. Yeah, and we can only pray that all three are selected. All three are currently in my side as well. So um, all of them look like they will be money makers, uh, at least minimally money makers. So. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed they all get the nod. So we'll go over to the Essendon side now, and there's not a whole lot to talk about, but a man that did sort of take the JLT by storm here was Jordan Ridley. Now, he saw him last season play some good games, and he threatened to have some good supercoach scores before a sort of a quiet quarter would would take him down to a lowly 70 rather than what he was sort of maybe looking at at three-quarter time. And he had 94 in this game. He did have 90-plus in the first game as well. What are your thoughts on Ridley? Because he's also in that sort of price bracket of two to 300K. It's a it's a tough one, JB. 233K, you really are going to need him to be pushing 70-plus average. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty punty, to say the least. He was playing more of like a kick behind the the pack I guess you'd say so in clearances he was always um, you know one kick back so he wasn't like right in the thick of it Um, it's it's really hard to judge obviously the scoring potential is there he's put out two good scores in the JLT last year he had some really good scores as well I think he's a good player um, but will he be able to play you know 10 games in a row of like decent scoring um, and without being dropped as well I I can't guarantee it Um, but yeah, I think I think there's worse picks as well. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very on the fence on this one. What's what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I think this one's. I, can, I think I can chalk this one a little bit up to JLT hype. I don't think he's going to get that much space during the season proper, and he was very clean with his possession, 83 percent by uh, by hand and foot this game. I just don't think you'll have that room during the season. I don't think he'll be pumping out these 90 or even 80-plus scores. I think he's a good player, and I think he will eventually be a very good player. But I think an average around you know, 65, 70-ish is probably more the likes for Ridley, which isn't quite enough for 233K. Uh, also, he's not guaranteed in that best 22, so I think this is a, a hype pick. 
and you know you wouldn't have considered him pre-JLT and his role isn't that amazing that we we sort of have to lock him in he's playing that rebounding defending like he's not really doing that for us I actually wouldn't mind knowing his. he's in 3% of teams at the moment. He probably would have been close to zero before JLT. So I think people are getting a little punty, a little stuck into the JLT hype. Now, we'll move into the next Essendon player. Uh, I have to go a little bit down the list here. It's for Devin Smith, only 45 in this game. And it seems like every single forward premium besides Dangerfield and even Heaney to some extent is sort of just giving us a headache. We don't know who to pick at F2, F3-ish besides Dangerfield and Heaney. And Devin Smith seems safe with, you know, 58, I think it was last week, in 50% time on ground. This week, he just had the 45 in uh, close to 75% time on ground. Just not good enough. So what are our thoughts on Devin? Is this a blip in the radar? Or, you know, maybe he's lost a bit of midfield time as well with a shield and that coming in. It's, it's hard to tell. What do you think? I think Devin Smith was more interested in trying to hit people in this JLT than actually <laughs> try and score. I wouldn't read too much into it. I, I, it did not look like he was... You know, putting his best foot forward, more like his, you know, <laughs> then I was going to make some other joke about hitting people, but uh, best yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's like, uh, should I say it? Should I not say it? I'm glad <laughs> you did. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into this play. I think come the season proper, we'll be, you know, expecting the 90 pluses from Devin Smith, but it does worry me a little that his floor can be very low. So, um, yeah, it, it's. It's someone. He's someone that's very reliant on his tackles. Only the four in this one, and if he's not, you know, getting closer to that ten tackles, obviously he he was a tackling machine last year. Um, but if he's not getting that, that really lowers his baseline score, and you might be able to get him cheaper at the year. He is starting at you know five hundred thirty-one k, so um, that is quite quite expensive for a forward. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think that pretty much covers anyone I wanted to chat about in this game. Have I missed anyone there, Pistol? Um, not really, except that Darcy Fort is, I'd say, definitely has ruled himself out, um, unfortunately, for the season proper. Just, you know, playing that, that forward and ruck role, he, he looked very lost. Um, I think he's going to need need some more time in the VFL and um, maybe get some more confidence and stuff and be back bigger and stronger. Yeah, and I think Chizo was, was right very early in this one. Fort is just not AFL already. Uh, so we'll go over to the next game, and it's GWS versus Adelaide. Uh, Crow's taking this win, but we'll start with the losers, and we'll start with Stephen Coniglio, a man that I think you quoted started at 4% ownership pre-JLT and is, is up now plus 10%. Stephen Coniglio had 123 supercoach points off 37 disposals, so just absolutely dominated the JLT. Do you think there will be an effect uh, when Josh Kelly comes back? I'm not too sure on how good his scoring is when Josh Kelly's pulling these 150 plus scores. But is, is there any? <laughs> it's pardon. It's better. It's better. Or go yeah. talk to me about no, it. He, Sell me. Canelio averages more points in the team with Kelly uh, than without, especially in the in, if you look at the games last year. Um, he he, you know hit some nice 150 pluses uh, when Kelly came back and started well when Kelly was available. And then when Kelly, you know, disappeared for six weeks, I guess Canelio had a, a little bit of a lull. But I've been hot on Canelio for the entire preseason. He's been in my side uh, since January. And I was hoping he would fly under the radar with like just a solid enough JLT. I really wanted Taranto to just keep 
going huge. So everyone would get him over Canelio, but unfortunately, he's absolutely dominated. And uh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I think Canelio can go 115 plus this year, which is why he's been in my side. Um, he's got everything that you need to be a good super coach player. He gets a lot of the ball. He uses all right, heaps of contested possessions. He runs into space to get the marks. He tackles, he kicks goals. Um, you know, as I said, he's, he's, a, he's a two-way runner as well. So it's not just, um, you know, hitting the scoreboard, but he's doing the defensive acts as well. Gets the clearances. He's, he's at, in and about and um, I, GWS are going to be good. So there's going to be a lot of points. I think there's a lot of pros for Cornelio and I can... Definitely see him, you know, ramping it up from he, he was injured, you know, last year, you know, kind of playing himself, um, getting back used to AFL football, and this year he is ready to explode. Okay, so I've got a couple of these always interest me, but for fa- fantasy psychology questions. Now, <laughs> with Caniglio, it, it did sort of surprise me considering how well he went last year and how popular he was. It did surprise me that he was just in 4% of teams. Do you reckon it was one of two things? Firstly, the fact that we could get him so cheap last year that we don't want to pay up the extra 100-odd-K on his starting price this year, or do you, like, as in we think we're ripping ourselves off a bit, we got the same product for 100K cheaper last year, or do you think it's a sort of a, a, he's the second best player in the team so he doesn't get a lot of consideration that the best player would get sort of thing? Like, Is there any sort of psychology that we can interpret with this, or is he just a sleeper in general? No, it's probably both of those things um, in combination with each other. But a lot of the time, people don't like picking, um, you know, Canelio because then you kind of like would lock the well, that people think they lock themselves out of getting Kelly as well. But I've got no issue with selecting, you know, two great players that happen to be from the same team. Like obviously Swan and Pendlebury, you know, dominated for years and years, just them. And also, you know, when Beams was there, all three of them uh, went 110 plus. So you can do well with good players around you. And I think this is just the case of they have the same buy and people, you know, stress a lot about the buys. But you can pick Cornelio or you can pick, you know, someone else with the same buy. It, it doesn't matter that Cornelio is on the same team as Kelly. Like it's, it's you just pick the players that you think are going to score the most amount of points, JB. Yep, and now I had Pendles, Beams, and Swan that year, and it did make watching Collingwood bearable. So <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're not too keen on watching GWS play this year, pick a couple of their players and, and go right ahead. So we'll move on to the next player. You did touch on him earlier, Tim Taranto, a 96 super coach and had a massive game in JLT1. Uh, off the 28 disposals this game, is this more of a case of no Josh Kelly? This is hard because uh, Callum Ward is going to be out for um, the first couple of weeks as well. And I feel like Taranto will definitely benefit, you know, in terms of getting more midfield time. And, and I don't see a reason why Taranto wouldn't be playing more as a full-time midfielder this year. I'm just really worried about... I'm just worried that the difference between the best his best games and his worst games are going to be like vastly different. And I'm not sure where that leads into for, you know, an overall score at the end of the year. You, if you're paying 483k, you really need to be picking him thinking he's going to be going, you know, but at least 105. Like if, if you're not getting 105 out of him at that, at that price point, you know, don't even bother. Um, and I feel like it's not a guarantee as well. If, uh, 
it's possible he can score, you know, 107, 108, but I, I just find it more likely that you're you're peppering that 105 mark this year. And just at that price point, if I can pay an extra, you know, 70K again for a Matt Crouch or even Brayshaw is only 40K more, I feel a bit safer um, with those selections than Toronto. Yeah, and in 6% of teams, so here's a point of difference, but less of a point of difference than what you'd expect for a, a breakout contender. So... Um, as you said, just the, I mean, if he's going to pep around the 105 average, he'd almost be a lock in our forward lines, but just not forward eligible. So I think people are jumping a little bit too early in Taranto. Maybe they feel a little bit ripped off that he isn't forward eligible, but I think it's, yeah, I don't think it's the year for him as a midfielder this year. Now we'll move on to Lockie Whitfield, uh, another interesting role, 86 supercoach points, 29 disposals. Uh, obviously didn't dispose of the ball very well, but got a lot of it. What are our thoughts on Whitfield? I mean, it's just impossible to tell. We don't really know exactly what role he's going to nail down, and he hasn't set the world on fire in Supercoach terms with JLT. And he's sort of just... He's sort of in the middle. He's just in no man's land for me at the moment. I don't know whether he's a great selection or a horrible one. <laughs> I think it's just a scary selection. When when Zach Williams was in the side, he obviously missed this week, but when Zach Williams in JLT won, you know, Whitfield really suffered and he he was coming off the half forward flak and running back to the pack and trying to get behind the ball. Um and that, you know, was reflected in his score. And this week, without Williams, I think he was given a, a bit more freedom along that wing to travel all the way back, um, to the back fifty, which he didn't really do as much in the first game. But these scores, you're going to get these 130-plus scores with Whitfield, and I think you're going to get some absolute stinkers as well. And I feel like he's somebody that you can definitely buy much cheaper throughout the year. So I'm not too worried about not starting Whitfield. Yeah, and, and we all know how he handled the tag at times in the last few years. So, yeah, I think low scores are on the horizon, but at the same time, he could have some huge scores as well. So... I think you've nailed it there. Now we'll go on to Toby Green, the return of Tobias Green. First game for the season, uh, for the year, uh, being JLT, did not play in the first. Only played 32% time on ground for a score of 39. And I tell you what, Pistol, he looked in absolutely everything. So I think uh, I was saying to you before the podcast, that was 32% time on ground and 32% time on camera for the match. So I feel like every time he was on the ground, he was doing something wild. He was doing a scoring assist, a tackle in the midfield, running back to defense, uh, unfortunately dropping marks and, and kicking clangers as well, but was just in absolutely everything. He, he looks so lively and out of flashbacks to the year before last when he was you know, a top 10 forward and, and that's why we selected him last season as well. So what are your thoughts on a very heavily discounted Toby Green? It's actually amazing that he scored 39, given he had six clangers in 32% time on ground. Like, he's he was on track for an AFL record in clangers, um, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. And he also, like, managed to still score pretty well. So I find that absolutely... I, I, I don't know if I'm terrified or I'm excited because, like, is he going to get 10 clangers a game? Maybe. Um, but he's still, you know, at that rate, is still going to be scoring 100 points. So there's there's a lot of upside with Toby Green. Um, I think he's he's probably my, I guess I'd say, favorite mid-pricer in terms of the amount of upside that this mid-pricer has 
is greater than probably all the other mid-prices. He's got the potential to average, you know, 105 for the season. Will he play 22 games or will he play 12 games? I have no idea. Um, But he looks like somebody that is probably going to drive you nuts throughout the entire season, but still a a worthwhile selection at at this price point. Yeah, and I think he's the type of player that will drive you nuts if you own him. And also drive you nuts if you don't, because if you don't select him at 350 and he comes out with back-to-back tons, then you find yourself in a very difficult position, and it's the type of thing Toby Green would do. He'd look at his ownership between before game one and be like, all right, now I'm just going to annoy every super coach player that didn't start me. And then a few rounds later, he'll be like, all right, now I'll just annoy all the ones that did start me. And <laughs> it'll just be that sort of year for him. But he is very exciting, and he does score in bunches. Not many have his ceiling uh, at 500k or lower, really. So, yeah, definitely one to watch. And he's in my side at the moment, Pistol. And I don't know if he's going to move, but uh, those clangers I can chalk up to a bit of rust. I think he'll start the season in my team. So... Fingers crossed there. So we'll look on Jackson Haitley. I don't know if it's Haitley. Yeah, it should be Haitley. Um, he scored 42 Supercoach points this game, 13 disposals, two tackles, no Cullen Wood, no Josh Kelly. I think a lot of people expected him to do a lot more. Only 66% time on ground, though, so he does have a bit of upside. Do you think we could get a sort of 65-70 average from Haitley early in the season before Ward returns, or... Is he the type of player that's going to be fighting for the the best 22 spot? It's really tough to judge this. I still feel like you can get a 60 to 65 average, and that that's a relatively good result. I mean, he has he is at an inflated price at 148k in that midfield, um, but I do still think that he is a decent selection. He will get some games, although just watching him, sometimes he does things where I'm like, I I can't tell if he's AFL ready or not. Like sometimes I'm watching him and I'm like, yep. This guy's good. And then other times I watch and I'm like, oh, maybe he could use some some time to like work himself into it. Um, I, I don't really know which Haitley is going to turn up. You know, the one that scored a ton in the first JLT or this one um, in the first couple of weeks without Ward. But he's definitely somebody I think that's at least worthwhile putting in your team given, you know, the other midfield rookie options. Yeah, I think so as well. 148k, he doesn't exactly break the bank like someone like Sam Walsh. He doesn't have the same ceiling as someone like Sam Walsh. But uh, yeah, I think I think he'll be a good player, and you know he could pop up for those 75 plus issues, and again he could pop up for a 40. So he will be unpredictable. Now we'll go over <laughs> to. I did repeat what you just said. I know. Yes, 100 percent exactly the same. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. This is a compliment. Um, uh, we'll go over to Matt Crouch, who I was looking up while you were talking, but I still did hear what you said. Um, and he put out a massive score, mammoth score of 155 super coach. In just, I mean, I say just 38 disposals, but he was helped with nine tackles, 15 of his disposals being a, a contestant, and 89% efficiency. So, really did have a great game, and he's had a great JLT series. Is there any reason people are ignoring Matt Crouch in their sides? Is you can't really say much negative about him, but why wouldn't we pick him? I think. Look, if I had to pick a negative, which there's not many, it's just I feel like we've seen it before. You know, he's been a ball magnet his entire career, but he hasn't, you know, scored unbelievably well. You know, last year he went 100, but, you know, his true average without the injury-affected games is a little higher than that. But, you know, he's, he's not sco- he wasn't scoring, you know, the 115-pluses that he threatened to do two years ago. Um, but 
last year I feel was an anomaly, especially for Adelaide. They they just had a bad season. They're a much better side than their wins last year. Um, the amount of wins that they got last year suggests Matt Crouch is definitely going to be one of the the biggest beneficiaries of Adelaide being a much better side this year and he managed to score 155 in just 73% time on ground as well so I'd be expecting that number to push um, closer to 80% during the season proper as well so he could do better and and (laughs) I mean it sounds silly but Adelaide are going to be good Matt Crouch is going to be good for me I, I just at 550k as well He's also just good value. So for me, he's one of my, you know, I guess biggest locks uh, coming into the season. I've, people throw that word around very loosely, but there's there's basically no reason not to select Match Crouch. He was priced, you know, underpriced from last year. The ceiling is there. The consistency is there as well. He barely has a bad game. Um, there's so much to like, JB, but I want to talk more about his brother, Brad. Um, t- you, we'll let you start because I, I know you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I actually just want to go off on a tangent for a second here. I don't know how many of our listeners uh, play NBA, the, the two NBA 2K on Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, but there's, they have this thing called a dynamic duo. And when you have two players from the same team, specific players who have like a connection on your team, they all like they their stats go up a heap. I feel like Matt Crouch and Brad Crouch find each other so often in game that they have one of these dynamic duos and they just become better players when they're both on the field together. It's like it might sound crazy and yeah, haha, but like genuinely they play so much better when each other on the on the field. And if you count one day, if you're watching a Crows game, count how many times they give each other the ball. It is crazy. So I will answer your question about Brad Crouch. I'm sorry if that was a, a boring tangent, but 124 super coach points. This guy is giving me a super coach headache because he's becoming almost impossible to ignore with his scoring potential. I don't want a bunch of teams to start him and get a player who averages 100 throughout the first, you know, 15 weeks and they trade up to an uber premium for almost nothing. But at the same time, I don't want to be stuck wasting a trade in round two or three for a player who I thought could average 100, but is consistently injured. Now, he's in 20% of teams, Pistol. I'm more than happy to be in that 80 percentile who don't select him and just stay risk-free on my team and know that I'm saving a trade later on in the season. I think you feel a little differently about Brad. Uh, I guess. <laughs> a little bit. Um I I love Brad Crouch. Uh, I'm, <laughs> oh, there it is. I'm kind of t- abs- like I'm I'm being ripped apart on the inside, um, looking at my team and you know not having Brad Crouch in it because I can't work a way to fit him in. So my team already has a weird structure, so I'm like, how much, how many more mids can I like force inside my squad? I'm not. I, I just can't get Brad Crouch in unless I were to upgrade from Libra and I, I can't even free up that catch that that cash. But Brad Crouch's scoring potential is absolutely out of this world. People keep saying, Oh, if he averages a hundred um until the bye, you know, that that's a good win. Brad Crouch can average hundred and ten to the bye. Like Adelaide are that Ooh. good. They're that good. Their fixtures after the first couple of weeks are that good. I mean they They've got a run where they play Suns, Saints, Dockers, Power, Lions, all before the bye as well. Like, they're games where they could go absolutely bonkers in. And I I can even see, there's probably a, big, a stupidly big call, or just a stupid call, one of the two of those. Um, 
I can see him also kind of being like the highest price cash cow that you'll ever see in that he can still make, you know, 100 to 150K, you know, at his current price. So you could even just use him as like, as I said, the weirdest cash cow um, that you've ever seen and just trade him at his buy to an Uber premium. It's just if he makes it there. My, my biggest worry is he kind of like limps to the buy and then they give him like two weeks off to regenerate and recuperate. Um, you can't really predict the injuries, but when somebody's had that many soft tissue injuries, you, you know they're at least higher risk. And in that case, if they ever pull up sore or they ever have a niggle, like they're being rested um, the very next week. So I can't quite squeeze him in, but I would not be surprised if he finds his way into my side before round one. Yeah, so you're insane. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's one of the two things, insane or genius. <laughs> like, as much as I like Brad Crouch, and I hope he plays 22 games this season, and Adelaide are obviously going to kill it. They they absolutely, to me, uh, look like they're going to be a top four team this season, not just based on JLT, but based on the fact that they should have been around that mark last year anyway. Brad Crouch only adds another dynamic to that already amazing midfield, and, you know, fingers crossed that he makes it through the season, but... History is just so much against Brad Crouch that it just is too hard to ignore for me. And, you know, starting someone that I'm guaranteeing a trade on, perhaps even at his starting price, it just, yeah, it's a bit too much for me. But kudos to those who who take the plunge. So we'll move on to Rory Sloan. So newly captained Rory Sloan. Bit of a point of difference in the midfield, uh, not crazy high priced, and 115 supercoach points. We talk about Adelaide improving and their their betterment of their midfield. Maybe Sloan uh, isn't their best tagging option, isn't opposition team's best tagging option anymore. Is there any way that we could fit Sloan into our midfields, or is that just way too punty? I, I like the Sloan pick. I think he's also going to benefit from Adelaide being just much better this season. But I have the same issue um, in that I can't have both Crouch brothers and Sloan and then like half of the rest of the Adelaide side as well. Um, And they share the same buy with Canelio and Kelly. So that's a bit worrying where, you know, my entire midfield is pretty much made up of two teams and both of those teams share the same buy. So you kind of, if you're taking, if you're playing for overall and you're taking the buys into um, consideration, I don't think you can select Sloan because he's just a slightly worse version, I think, of Matt Crouch this year. Um, and then I, I also obviously rate Cornelio and Kelly extremely highly. And you're getting into territory where you've also got Cripps in that buy, who's who's obviously going to be just an absolute jet midfielder this year. So you can't really take you know four, five, well, five players from the same buy. Um, premiums in the same round. It's, it's just not going to happen. So um, I have no issues with people if they're selecting Sloan, they can't afford Matt Crouch and they want to select Sloan, definitely go for it. Um, just my preference would be be Crouch above Sloan and the price difference is so minimal anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we'll quickly chat about Brody Smith. Uh, I personally, I think he's an absolute lock with the role that he's playing and the scoring potential that he's already showed in the JLT in, in prior years. Do you have any quarrels with Brody Smith? No, I've I've been on him the whole preseason and uh, think that he's just an absolute gun selection this year. So um, Brody Smith still on my side, but um, can I throw one back at you, Wayne Millera or Millera? Um, I keep hearing different people on different podcasts uh, pronounce it differently. <laughs> um, Twenty nine touches, a hundred percent disposal efficiency. 
what do you make of his chances of actually being a, a, a top eight um, defender this year? Yeah, unfortunately, I think they're quite low. Uh, they've got a lot of options on that team, a lot of speed on that team. Uh, even like you look at a player that performed well this game as well, Paul Seedsman somehow turned up in, in Supercoach. He's got a lot of speed. Um, and then obviously Brody Smith, we spoke about him. Laird plays up the ground a lot as well. They just have a lot of players uh, with a lot of different assets. And Miller does bring something unique to their squad. He is going to be a great player and he's a good defender. But in terms of super coach, I think he'll he'll be one of those, you know, one good game, two average games type of players. So he might pull out a ton here and there, but they'll probably be followed up with a couple of 70s. I don't think his consistency is quite there yet. And while they've got such a logjam at that position, it's going to be hard for him to sneak through. I think he's not the least talented, but he's at least the least um, sort of... Uh, experienced out of the the players playing on that back half so i just think yeah he probably goes at 85 for the season but just not enough for a a top eight defender that seems a little bit low uh to me i still think he can he can pip the 90 average this year it's just yeah there's a lot of good adelaide options there's not enough points to go around um and he's somebody who could rack up heaps of the ball and he's someone who could not get any of the ball. In, I mean, in this any is his highest score ever. Yeah, he went at a hundred percent disposal efficiency. I mean, how often is that going to happen? Exactly. So I think you know, eighty-five average. He's going to have those tons, but trust me, he will score low, and he hasn't even sniffed a tag yet. So if he gets off the chain and all of a sudden someone looks to tag him, you know, we might see a whole other dynamic there. So I'm not huge on Wayne Miller. I think there's just safer options out there. So. Can I get your thoughts on Chase Jones? He's kind of not really being spoken about as a super coach option. He's in the midfield at above, slightly above 170k, so he, he's right um, at that upper price point for a midfield rookie. But it looks like he's going to get games with a score of 78 and uh, two goals this week. Uh, what, what's your take on him? Yeah, taking uh, pick nine in last year's draft, um, he Definitely played himself into round one consideration in this game. Uh, laid five tackles, booted a couple of goals, just played a real um, pesty sort of forward role. Um, in my opinion, though, he was drafted as a contested ball through the midfield, but he obviously doesn't have the AFL body for that yet. So I think he's going to have some games like this where he gets a couple of players holding the ball, lays off some score assists. Uh, kicks a couple of goals himself, but he'll also have games where you know he had just nine disposals. You know, usually that translates to a, a score in the fifties at best. So uh, I don't think he's going to be enough of a cash cow to to select, especially at one hundred and seventy one k. I should say uh, we've done a good job. We're forty minutes into the podcast and we've covered only two games. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was looking at that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, people like the longer podcasts. I think so. <laughs> well, they're getting it this time. <laughs> right, well, we'll move on to the next game. That's Port Adelaide versus North Melbourne. Um, the only super relevant players on Port Adelaide are Tom Rockliffe, 170 super coach points. Pistol, let's get him. Um, oh, man. I, I hate that he did this. I really do hate that he did this. <laughs> He's someone... So, Tom Rockliffe has probably been in my side about... I think I'm not even exaggerating, about eight times in the last four seasons. Um, just the amount of times that I trade in and out this guy because he, he gets injured all the time. And then when he comes back, he looks amazing. So I trade him back in and just fall for it. Last year, I didn't fall for it. Um, 
and now he's cheaper because of that. And now I want to fall for it again. I won't. Or will I? But I, I don't know. <laughs> it's the same price as Brad Crouch. Why are they doing this to me, JV? I can't, I can't take this. <laughs> um, Tom Rockliffe, is he back, JV? You're the port supporter. Just, just tell me he's back. That's all I want to know. Look, all I'm going to say is he played 87% time on ground, which is more percentile of time on ground that he played at any point of last season. So when his fitness was in question... Um, maybe we can chalk last season up to not being fit. I think 82% was his highest for the year. Uh, 87% is great signs in JLT pistol. Look, 170 super coach had a lot, 29 kicks. I don't think he's back though. I think he's going <laughs> to, I think he's going to bring out some big scores throughout the year, but he's going to play forward a lot as well. Port are going to be on the end of some floggings. I don't think they're in the top eight at the moment or top eight consideration. So I think, uh, unfortunately, Tom Rockliffe isn't going to be that cash cow that we want him to be. Is everything uh, all right, JB? I've never heard you uh, seem that, I guess, uh, depressed about about Port Adelaide before. No, I mean, my personal expectations are that we're top four. But oh, everyone else is telling go. me that they're somewhere in the bottom eight. So I guess I have to go with that. <laughs> Travis Boke is the next one. Uh, him and Ebert seem to have switched roles in, in a year where we're not having a lot of luck finding an F3. I think Travis Boke playing predominantly in the midfield is okay. He's got a low floor, um, not a very high ceiling either. What are your thoughts on him? I just need to jump back to Rockliffe for a second. Um, he had one tackle and he still scored 170 points. This is from a guy who you know, perennially averages above you know, five tackles a game or whatever it is. He, he's someone that will definitely get his hands dirty um, during the season proper. You're going to so start him, it's, yeah. it's scary, like, how good his ceiling is. He's already it, in, his, in your squad, isn't he? He's, I mean, during the last five minutes, I've put Brad Crouch in and then Rockliffe in for Brad Crouch. <laughs> oh, no, this is the it's jail. Just, uh, it's, it's, I'm getting lost in here. Um, I should say as well, Port's opening, you know, three fixtures... Uh, they do have the Blues and the Lions. So, oh, that's just good fixes, JB. That's that's exciting stuff. Uh, I can't I can't tell anyone off if they're going to start Rockliffe. Like, you know what you're getting into. You you could be buying a 60 average player for 400K or you could be buying, you know, a 110 plus average player for 400K. So, um, good luck to anyone that's, that's ballsy enough to, to pick Rockliffe. Um, to answer your boat question... I think my biggest gripe with Boke is that ceiling just isn't there and, and he has a couple of games where he gets a bit either tagged out of it or a bit lost. Um, so even though his floor is, is decent, but if you if you get a, a handful or bunch of 70 scores, when you don't have that ceiling, you can't really drag it back up to that you know 90-plus average. Um, so I'm just a bit concerned that he just finds himself going you know, mid to high 80s again for next year and therefore doesn't present much value at his beginning price. Yeah, and I do agree. I think he'll be someone that we look at at the buy and say, oh, we didn't even realize Boke was averaging you know, 95 plus. Maybe he's someone that we can look at for an F8 sort of slot, F6 sort of slot. So F8 would be nice, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the poor rookies. Um, Dersmer... Willem Drew and Zach Butters all scored well this game. Dersman was the lowest with 78. I think all three have played themselves pretty much into not not just round one contention, but I think all three will play early. Um, is there any reason not to start any of these three uh, from you, Pistol? 
Well, I think you just have to go with the job security issues. If if Wines is on track for round one, which is the latest thing we're hearing, um, you know something's got to give. You're, you're the port man, so you can tell me more. But just from looking at it, Dersma looks like he adds another dimension, um, kind of with his speed, and I can hopefully see him, you know, being able to lock down more of a, a wing role. I have to worry a little bit about Drew just because he's you know that inside ball magnet. But I think when you're you know, young and they've invested a lot of time in you and I guess, as you said, Port Adelaide are going to maybe struggle a little bit this year. Um, it might be worthwhile getting some some games into Drew as well and, you know, he's got a lot of potential as well. So um, I could see him definitely getting getting good shot. Butters, I, I think I'm not as high on Butters as everyone else is. Um, he, he looks like he has an incredibly good footy brain and that's going to hold him in good stead and he's going to have uh, some nice scoring games from I guess lower disposal counts but my worry is that I feel like when he's playing in a half forward position for Port Adelaide when they get whooped which there will there will be some whoopings um, his disposal count I think can have the potential to be very low and I can see him just not kicking a couple of goals to inflate his score and will be stuck paying 150k for a guy that is still going to average 60 just like maybe guys that you can pay 120k for they also might score roughly similar so I don't know exactly what you get for that extra you know 30 40k except for the job security which is you know very worthwhile, um, but I, I'd feel like usually you pay for more, you know, scoring potential along with that that job security. So I'm I'm pretty uh, he, he's in my side, and I, he'll probably go around one with him just because of the lack of other options. But if there were more options available, I think he'd be one of the first rookies that I'd actually drop. Yeah, he's a lock. So um, we'll move on to Robbie Gray, and predominantly in the midfield this game did kick a couple of goals as well. Ninety-two super coach is he the man that we want for F two, three? No, <laughs> no, I don't think um, so either. I think he's going to play too much midfield time, and with Ollie Wines coming back, uh, Will and Drew potentially staying in the side. Bloke being thrown into that midfield, Rockliffe dominating as a midfield. I think pretty much Robbie Gray will get Rockliffe's minutes when he's playing or resting forward or Boak's minutes when he's resting forward, but I don't think it'll be enough to sustain a, a high enough score to start with him at least. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on Port Adelaide things except for Butters, but besides that, let's uh, let's maybe talk about North Melbourne. Perfect. So Bailey Scott scored 89 super coach points off 19 disposals. Uh, a lot of pressure acts, a lot of contested possessions, and the four tackles for Bailey Scott. Has he played himself into that round one squad? And if he has, I assume he should be in everyone's side. It's really tough. He only played 58% time on ground, so he didn't quite get the full game. But he he does look very comfortable at AFL level. He He's had two really good JLT games. And I'm wondering if you're a young kid and they, they're playing you in the JLT and you just do so well in both of them like can they really afford not to play you like what what message is that kind of sending to a young team as well the, my problem is I don't want to select Bailey Scott for him to you know score 80 in the first week and then score 40 in the next week and then he's drops for round three and then just takes you know six weeks to break back into the North Melbourne side I, I'm very worried that he's probably going to be one of the first players dropped from that North Melbourne side but on the other hand a rookie with this kind of scoring potential doesn't come along very often, in which case, for me, that, that risk kind of 
I guess the reward outweighs the risk in this in this circumstance, just because of the scoring potential is absolutely insane. Um, how do you how do you see Bailey Scott as an option this year? Yeah, pretty pretty much what you said. If he's selected for round one, he's going to be very hard to look past. And I mean, I don't think his scoring potential will be as good during uh, the actual season proper, but. I think he'll have some games where he just has that many pressure acts, that many tackles and sort of like holding the ball decisions that he scores well and, and sort of makes enough money for us. So if round, named round one, I don't think there'll be a lot of midfielders that are named round one that are rookie price. So I think we're just going to pretty much be forced to go with him. But, you know, hopefully he goes well and he showed a lot of promise during the JLT. So fingers crossed for that one. So can we move on to the D's lines or is there someone I'm missing? Uh, no, I think... For- I mean, Goldstein was missing uh, from this game, probably just as a, a footnote that Tom Campbell played. I, I'm I'm assuming it's because Campbell's suspended for round one, so they just wanted to give him another hit out um, and just, you know, um, let, let Goldie do his thing from round one onwards. And I don't really see Campbell as a threat uh, to Goldstein during the season. So if you are on Goldstein, then I would not worry about that at all. Yeah, I completely agree. I wouldn't be concerned whatsoever. Just a little bit of a rest for the veteran Ruckman. I think he'll go well this year as well. So we'll jump over to the Demons versus the Lions. And these lost this one. So a lot of pundits on Brisbane for a good season this year. Showing good form in the JLT, although it is just the JLT. We'll go straight to your man, Pistol. My man. Angus Brayshaw, the bloke that you've locked in for the 2019 Brownlow medal. Number one supercoach scorer for the year. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Scott Pendlebury, so I got really excited. Um, <laughs> Not in but, this game. <laughs> well, that's what I was just like, where are we going with this, JB? Um, so Scott Pendlebury had a really good night. Um, <laughs> Angus Brayshaw um, currently is in my side. I'm quite, quite sure that he's going to remain in my side come round one, but you never really know what happens with those, I guess, round one jitters and nerves, especially when you're... You're taking a bit of a risk. Um, the way I see it is Brayshaw, you know, averaged 108 after he, he kind of had that, that role change um, last year and absolutely stormed home in the Brownlow medal. I'm sure everyone uh, remembers that. I think it was uh, Trelaw that said because of the 666, the midfielders have so much more space and accumulators are able to get onto uh, more of the ball. Like he Mac said Ratch. that Tom... <laughs> he said uh, Tom Mitchell could rack up 70 disposals um, because of this rule. And when I hear that, one of the first people I think of straight is just Angus Brayshaw. He's an absolute born magnet. And if he's going to have more space in a better team, um, like these are going to finish in the top four, or I, I think they'd finish in the top four. He's got good support around him. They've got you know the best ruckman hitting it to him, and he's a ball magnet. I can't see too much of a downside given he went 108 at the end of last year. He's had another preseason. He's going to be playing in the midfield. Um, like how how much worse can 108 can he go? I I feel like the upside just completely outweighs the downside. He's killed both JLT matches, and not only that, people say oh his you know dream team to supercoach ratio is very poor, and he is sometimes um, a bit of a butcher with the ball, but. For me, I can I can see where they're coming from. There certainly is downside where you need 40 touches to score 100 points, but at the same time, you're bound to have a game where you 
do score like you don't turn it over you do go at you know 80 percent disposal efficiency and if you get 40 possessions you are going to pop out a 160 point game at some stage like it, it will happen for angus brayshaw in this melbourne side and i like the fact that he kicks the ball a lot i know he sometimes doesn't kick it well but it just means that the potential is there for him to have the really big games. And I feel like this is a year where he's just going to take the, the competition by storm. And if I can pay even 108 average for his 520K, I feel like that's good value. But if I'm paying 520K and he ends up going you know, above 115 or so, um, I feel like that could absolutely skyrocket me up the rankings. Yeah, I love the racial pick. I love it a lot, and I wish I had an M5 slot with a premium in it that I could put him straight into because he is pretty much the only player that I don't have in my midfield that I would possibly want from the remaining... I mean, I want a lot of them, but uh, <laughs> Angus Brachel is pr- probably the most exciting one that I'd want in my team. I think it'd be good to follow him this season, and like you said, with that accumulator sort of 6-6 turnaround with the rule, I think he's just going to have an absolute breakout season. I think he he would have anyway, averaging 108 in the second half last season. uh, Yeah, he just looks like a great selection. I'm I'm very excited for his season, and I wouldn't rule out me getting him in before the end of this, uh, before lockout anyway. So we'll move on to Max Gorn, 119 Supercoach points. Um, I mean, if you can get him, if you have the money to, obviously you 100% should be getting him. Um... What's, what sort of merit do you put on the starting with a cheaper sort of gold scene over Max Gorn? Do you think he'll punish people that badly? I personally do. That's just why he's in my squad. But how bad do you think it'll be for people that don't start Max Gorn? I, I don't know is the question, is the answer. I, I've been very hot on Goldie over Gorn all of the preseason, and then Proust has to go down with an injury um, for, for two weeks, but then he's he's gonna he's just going to come back in the VFL um, and work his way back into that side. Do I think Proust plays at some point this year with Gorn? Definitely. Um, but do I think that's going to have now as much of an effect on Gorn as at the beginning of the preseason? Definitely not. I do think it will affect him, but I also don't know when he's going to come into the side. When I thought it was from round one, I was like, ah, oh, Gorn's still going to finish as the second best rock, but I might just do better, be better off with Goldstein, who I who I do think can go 110 plus this year. Um, but then, yeah, with this Proust news, and I think he's going to have to work his way back into the side. And you got Joel Smith, um, who played really well in this game. Um, he played as a third tour forward and did score four goals. So I think they might even trial that at least for the first couple of rounds um, before even giving Proust another chance. So uh, for me, uh, I think it's just if you've got the money for gone, you just get gone and you don't worry about it for the rest of the season. Um, I know that's basically what you said, but I guess uh, there was a bit more explanation behind it. Yeah, I think lock and load gone if you if you can get the money and you know if you're not sacrificing three legs and eight premiums to get him in, then yeah, you're pretty much doing right the right thing there. So we'll move on to Clayton Oliver, in which I don't actually need to really say anything. He was fantastic again. Only the 104 supercoach points for his last hit out. A couple of behinds. A couple of frees against, you know, just a casual performance. He'll go 110 plus this season, I guarantee it. So no worries there. And Marty Hoare is the next one. 69 Supercoach points, 16 disposals. Took a fair chunk of the kickouts as well. Uh, 77 of his 16 disposals were contested, which is fairly decent. 
and played 92% time on ground. So all those are pretty big ticks for a rookie and someone that we pretty much should be starting if he's named round one, yes? Yes, I think so. I am I am worried now because May is going to miss uh, round one with that suspension and it would just hurt so much to see round two come along and you just see the words, in May, out whore. Um yeah, that would be incredibly painful. I can. It's a possibility. I mean, different roles, and I can kind of see it happen. But I think if if Hawes played round one, he's basically just started in the Melbourne side, so they obviously you know rate him that highly. So uh, for me, you just do it and hope for the best, and hope even if he does get dropped, he, he works himself back into the side uh, throughout the season. Yeah, and did play in this game over someone uh, like Sam Frost, who got a few games last year as well. So. Maybe ahead of him. Uh, interesting to note. So I think, yeah, if, if name round one, then it's hard to go without him considering whoever does go with him could be riding, you know, a, a good half the season until he needs to be upgraded and you wouldn't want to miss out on that. So we'll move over to the Brisbane Lions. Uh, I mean, we'll start with the man whose name is Lions. <laughs> and he scored 147 Supercoach points. Pistol knew I was also going to make that joke. And 26 disposals from Lions and four goals. So, look, this is a guy that I actually rate incredibly high. Uh, I don't think he'll put together the sort of super coach season that would see him in that, you know the top 10 midfielders, but I rate him really high pistol. <laughs> I think he's a great draft selection, maybe not for our super coach classics this year. Yeah, he kicked four goals. He scored 147 points. He kind of did a bit of everything. Uh, my concern is that you know during the season proper, he, he doesn't quite you know can kick those four goals. He, there's just some good midfielders around him. If you've got Lucky Neal, you've got um, Zorko, who I believe didn't play in this game. So it's just a, a bit difficult to pay over 500k um, for somebody who you're not like you don't have that feeling that they're certainly going to go above 105 throughout the season. Like, I, I don't even want to pay, you know, 480. You know, I don't, I don't want to pay any... I don't really want to get somebody who's only going to go 105. I, I want to pick people who I think will go above 110. Um, and Jared Lyons isn't somebody that does that for me. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And I'd love to see him do it one day, but, yeah, it's too risky to punt on. Now, Harris Andrews is an interesting one. Back into his defensive role, is it too hard to trust that he'll be playing in that sturdy role all season? Because if he does, he does have the capabilities to average 95+. plus. If not, if he is playing forward, then he's got the capabilities to score 40 as well. I don't know what Brisbane will do, but I find it... I found it crazy in the first place that you're going to pull out Harris Andrews, who generally looks like he is going to be like the number one fullback in the competition for like the next decade and then just like play him as a full forward and he just like looks a bit uncoordinated there. I'm like, why would you do that? Like he, he's an absolute gun. Just just leave him down back and let him do his thing for the next decade and just be happy <laughs> with like what you've got. Um, I, I think that he will be a good selection. Well, I think he'll be a top eight defender maybe but for me I'd rather wait and see on someone like Harris Andrews just with the uncertainty and when Marcus Adams comes back as well um, we'll see where Marcus Adams plays and where Harris Andrews plays it will give us more of an indication of what's going to happen I think. Yeah a bit of a wait and see now a man who had the third least amount of handballs but easily the most uh, sorry third least amount of kicks but easily the most amount of handballs Lockie Neal just three kicks with the 25 handballs is amazing stuff really 
still managed <laughs> to turn up, and I don't think he did any harm to his you know potential starting roles in our squads. I think if you like Neil enough and uh, his buy is friendly to you, you can start him with no concerns whatsoever. Yeah, this is what Neil does. He scores some. I guess I would say average games and then goes absolutely bonkers as well. So it's all part and parcel. At the end of the day, you're getting a guy that's going to play 22 games, is going to average 110 plus and you'll just be happy with it. So that that's what you, you know you that's what you're getting. So if you've selected him and you see this JLT score and you kind of like jump off or something, like that this is what Lockie Neal does. So just hold on to your horses and, just don't and just jump be off. happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> just just keep it. <laughs> okay, so Alex Witherden is the next one that we need to chat about here and 76 supercoach points in this one off the 21 disposals. Wasn't horrible, but in 88% time on ground, you'd expect something a little bit more from someone uh, expected to jump to a premium status this year. Do we like Alex Witherden enough to start and expect to be top eight, or is he another wait and see like his uh, Brisbane teammate, Harris Andrews? He's very cheap at 455k, and I just don't get the like a strong gut feeling that he's going to break into that top eight midfield bracket. There's potential with the amount of possessions he gets. Obviously, he could absolutely skyrocket in his points per game but we haven't really seen anything especially in this JLT that suggests he's going to go you know around that 100 mark and that's what I really wanted from him uh, when I was looking at him earlier in the season it kind of just fell away um, as the 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 preseason has progressed he's going to have a lot of these games with mid 70 scores I think just because sometimes he doesn't do much with the ball you know if you you can get a lot of the ball but if you're not kicking it long and hitting targets if you're just going sideways or backwards it doesn't really you know turn into points uh, magically like that so for me it's I don't have any problems with it, especially because he's so cheap. And if you happen to need somebody who's 450k and has potential to go 100 plus, I'm certainly for that selection. But if you were, had unlimited money and you were like, which player am I going to pick to complete my backline? Um, I don't think he would be the person that I'd be be banking on. Um, to start the season. Yeah, and he's been in and out of my squad. Obviously, that price is very flattering. Having him at D2 opens up a lot of avenues for us, but yeah, just doesn't... He, although he averaged 100-plus in the second half of the year last year, he just doesn't scream, you know, pick me premium, 100-plus average, you know, straight into the top eight sort of thing, so... He, he didn't quite get to that 100 range. What was that, we, 90... We, we can round up. We'll be like, yeah, he's in the 90s, rounds up to 100. That's fine. I thought it was 102 <laughs> in, like, the last eight rounds or something. I thought it was like about 96-ish if you take out his injury-affected game, but I also could have been wrong. But we'll see. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> anyway, uh, if that's the end of that game recap, uh, cut me off if I'm wrong there, Pistol. 92? Was it 92? I'm just, I don't think it was 102. I think it may have been 10 off. Anyway, um, I think we should also talk about Lincoln McCarthy. He's 247K. He's always looks like a, ca- a capable footballer when he's played he's kind of been given more of a half forward can run back a bit on the wing role for Brisbane in the first JLT game he scored well the second game uh, less well with only 75 but he does come at such a kind price that if you think he can average 80 plus in that role then it's not the craziest selection that I've heard JB yeah I don't think he can average 80 plus in that role all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just never. Sh- he's. Ne- I mean, he's not really played that role before, but just doesn't really scream. 
you know, super coach potential scorer for me. I just think there are better options than him. All right, fair enough. I look forward to hearing the better options. I, I think McCarthy has always looked like a good footballer, and if Brisbane rise, you know, a couple of spots on the ladder, he might not get there. But if they're going to be pushing for the eight, uh, then there'll be a lot more points to go around and think that he could be somebody that benefits from that. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Okay, so that is halfway through the uh, the JLT2 recap. Hopefully uh, the second half isn't as long for those people who do enjoy the shorter podcasts. We apologize. But I'm gonna Not th- too bad. Yeah, too bad indeed. I'm going to throw in a league code here. So we're going to be dropping these via podcasts, Facebooks, and Twitter posts. Um, just in little places here and there, just so our true followers that listen through an hour of podcasting for just four games recap get into the leagues and not just the people that are the quickest typers. So the league code is 6422202. So make sure you jump in, compete against the Dr. Supercoach community team. And that again is 6422202. So yeah, hopefully some uh, some good Dr. Supercoach people are able to jump into that one and we will jump into the next game. So so 6422202. Yeah, the did it. Okay, good. Was it? Yep, oh, no, just making sure I could get in. Oh, it's okay, fine. you're in. <laughs> okay, good. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll face off against the community team and Pistol. Uh, so we will jump into the next game, and that was Hawthorne losing to Richmond, despite the fact that they had about 20 goals on them at half time. We'll start with the Hawks, and we'll start with, where is his name? James Cousins, 73 supercoach points from 21 disposals. And he's very cheap, Pistol. What are your thoughts on him? I don't want to say versus Sam Walsh because I think in an ideal world you start both if you like Cousins that much. But what are your thoughts on him just as a selection in general? Played a lot more midfield time again and you know they had a, a much fuller midfield than what they had in JLT1. I feel like he is an definite option to consider that's going well under the radar. He turned up in the first JLT game, but they were playing there, I guess. I don't even know if it was a B-side, C-side. Um, oh. This is this is a guy who has been racking it up in the VFL uh, for ages, and now he's come in. This is his chance, filling in for Titch and playing pure midfield, and he's scoring well. He's only priced at 219k. Will he go 80-plus for the year? I think it's very possible. Does that make him a good selection? I'd say yes. The only problem is, can you afford an extra 100k to upgrade one of your rookies to him at the beginning of the season? I'm finding that part the most difficult because if I have an extra 100k, I'm definitely getting Brad Crouch slash Rockcliffe slash Brad Crouch again. Um, so I'm not sure how people are kind of managing their, their team to pick both him and Sam Walsh, who I, who I think is a lock as well. But I do believe that both are good picks and am considering the merit of starting Cousins above Butters. Wow. Well, only 50K the difference there. So, you know, they are similar price range. If you don't think Butters will get off to a great start with their uh, Port's tough run after round two, uh, after round three, then yeah, I could warrant it. But I'm definitely starting Butters Pistol. Come on. <laughs> now, we'll move over to Luke... Warple. Bruce... Luke Bruce. You can talk about Luke Bruce over Warple? I mean, he averaged 90-plus last year and scored 100 off just one goal this game, so... 
All right, let's talk about Luke Bruce. Tell me, tell me why he is a good selection, JB. Because pistol, he averaged ninety plus last year and scored a hundred plus in this one with just one goal. Oh, that was a quick review. <laughs> no, nah, I do like Luke Bruce. Uh, in a year where we don't have a lot of reliable forwards, I think he's the sort of sneaky player that that could, you know, jump into that top ten sort of forward range. We don't really expect uh, the the forward pockets to jump in there. But I think he's got the capabilities and he's, in my opinion, their best forward. Did boot 50-plus goals last year. Only 54% disposal efficiency in this one and still managed to ton up from the 24 disposals he gathered. I think he's just an under-the-radar selection pistol. That's kind of understandable given his role as a small forward. But at the same time, you, you do make a good point. What is a reliable forward this year? I'm not really sure. If you want to pick him... Go for it. It's definitely a POD and outside-the-box pick. It's just somebody that I, I would rather not pick a small forward uh, in my forward line this year and, and try and, I guess, choose the midfielders. Fine, then. We'll talk about Warple. <laughs> <laughs> he had 24 disposals, only the 73 supercoach in this one, just from 60% time on ground, though. So someone that actually has been in my consideration for a little bit um, just really looks like he has it. Uh, he has, you know, he got nine of his uh, 24 disposals were contested. He did rack up four tack- uh, three tackles, and that is his game, contested balls and tackling. Just looks good to me. Uh, managed to get on the scoreboard as well, kicked a goal. So I think he's okay for a sort of 80, 85-plus average. That's not enough for a top eight forward, would imagine, but he also has the capabilities to be a 90-95 sort of average player. So I find it tough to select him this year, but I think in, in a couple of years' time, he'll be a great great sort of player that we'll be considering. Well, maybe not if he's just a midfield-only option, but 60% time on ground, I think, goes unnoticed. You'd obviously expect him to play between 70 and 80% during the season. So that score might look up towards an 85, but the problem with Warple is you really get the feeling that he's only going to go between 80 and 90 this season. There, there doesn't seem to be that ceiling there that's, that's screaming, yeah, I, I'm capable of going 90 plus. And if, if you're going to pay roughly 400k for him, you really need to be hitting uh, those those higher ceilings. And it's just not there for me. So I think anyone that did have Warple before the JLT has probably seen enough now to know that it's just not going to pan out the way they expected. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, and a lot of people were, were ragging on about his uh, decent average at the sec- in the second half of last season. I think that's pretty much going to be yeah where he sits in, at that decent average. And you know, I don't think he's suddenly going to explode on for a 9,500-plus average sort of thing. So we'll go on to the next one, and that is Jack Scrimshaw. Did get 12 of his 18 touches in a very productive first quarter. He's the sort of player that he plays a good enough role, uh, did score 78 super coach points in this one, should be in consideration if selected round one, but I don't think he's exactly a lock-in. No, it, I find this very difficult to pick because he just faded very quickly. Like After the first quarter, we were saying, yep, he's certainly playing. We all moved him into our sides, and then as the game went by, we're like, uh, is he even playing? And you know, His time on ground suggests he, he played the whole match. He just could not get the ball at all. Um, 
my biggest worry is that he plays the first couple rounds and then whenever Birchall is fit, that might be round six-ish. Uh, that's when Scrimshaw might be dropped out and will he have made enough money by then? I'm not entirely sure. But at this stage, given the lack of, I guess, rookies overall, he seems like somebody that's uh, worthwhile picking at the beginning of the season. Yeah, if name round one, then yeah, it might be tough to look past him considering the amount of rookies, like you said. Now we'll move on to the next one. James Sicily, uh, 61 points off 54% time on ground, so really played just over a half. 16 disposals, 7 marks, looked to be back in his defensive role. Can we consider him after that diabolical forward time that he received in JLT1? I think so. I don't believe that they're going to suddenly just play him as a key forward for you know multiple matches in a row during the season. He's an all-Australian halfback. He's going to be playing to the best of his ability in his best position. And I can't really see why he wouldn't go 90-plus, let alone pushing you know, 100-plus again as he, as he did last season. So I've got no issues with Sicily as a pick for this season. Yeah, and might be the sort of play that we can pick up cheaper, though, is the problem uh, if he does spend a little bit of time forward, you know, a quarter here and there, could turn his score from a you know 100-plus to a sort of around the 80 mark. So a couple of those in a row. We've got him a bit cheaper. So we'll move on to the Richmond side of things. And I think we should start probably and finish with Dustin Martin. Did rack up the 30 disposals this game. Uh, went at a very poor efficiency. However, just played 65% time on ground. So not a lot to- of time on ground. Didn't impact the scoreboard either, which is undusty-like. 81 supercoach points. Uh, didn't really scream at us supercoaches without him to select him and, and shouldn't give those who do have him a lot of confidence. But we do know what his ceiling is and I think round one versus Carlton he's probably going to score 130 plus. But I don't know if he's going to average you know, the 110, 115 like he has in the past. Yeah, I, I see the same thing for Dusty as previous seasons where he'll, he'll get off to that hot start then maybe fade he'll, he gets a lot of the ball his super coach doesn't really always reflect that and then when the game is won by Richmond by half time he would just float around the forward line and you know scoring way less so you can you can I can foresee a lot of uh, fast starts for Dusty and then slow second half halves um, which has happened before it's for me I, I again same price point as Matt Crouch I just so much prefer Matt Crouch than Dusty, who's only had that one season above 110, and he'd have to you know break all sorts of records, and they'd probably have to win the flag again for him to to get back to that stage. So stay away um, is what I'm thinking, but I am fully expecting him to come out with an absolutely blistering round one score. Um, talk to me briefly, JB, about your revised thoughts on Noah Bolter. Yep, so revised thoughts after a 52 in JLT2 is that he doesn't look exactly like he's going to be in their first team. Only seven disposals, did have the six hit out, so showed again his versatility. Did kick a goal for the match as well, but from 76% time on ground, you know, just touching the ball seven times doesn't feel like it's enough. In a highly competitive Richmond team uh, with Tom Lynch coming back, probably likely soon. I think round one or two is where he's really looking to come back. I don't think Bolter has enough games played early in the season. I think he'll play, you know, five, six, seven, eight throughout the year, but I just don't think he's going to rattle them all off at the start of the season. So not one for me. I, Yeah, I think he, even if he is selected round one, there might even be better options out there. He's, he's a great handy player, 
but as you said, with Lynch coming back and their backup ruckman Sean Grigg probably coming back into the side unless they they do choose Bolter over Grigg, <laughs> it's just him. so much risk in that selection that you don't want to be holding on to him for you know ten weeks, not making any money on the bench. So uh, at the moment, it's a it's a pass from me unless something you know injury wise happens to someone in the Richmond side in the next you know ten or so days. Yeah, definitely a pass from me as well. I, I I don't like selecting, you know, rookies that are fringe in one of the best teams as it is. Yeah, Bolter just doesn't tick a lot of boxes for me. Uh, I think that's it from Richmond versus Hawthorne, unless, again, I've missed someone, Pistol? No, you're doing a great job, Jay, but keep on going. <laughs> wow, that felt good. Now, we'll move on to the Sydney versus Gold Coast game, and bit of a route in this one, uh, 42 points to the final margin. No Jake Lloyd. We perhaps should start with that. Jake Lloyd, just the 70-odd score in JLT1. Uh, illness prevented him from playing in JLT2. He's the highest-priced defender at over 600k. Are we as con- Well, I mean, the answer is no. We're not as confident about him now as we were two or three weeks ago, but... Are we still confident enough to lock him in at D1 with that price? I think so, JB. I feel okay. (laughs) I I don't feel super strong that he's going to... What can I say? I don't think he's going to be worth 600K, but I also think he's going to be the number one defender by quite a lot. So do you just pay that little bit more just for that security and you don't have to stress about it throughout the season or miss potentially any big score? For me, the answer is yes. I know you could probably get better value by not starting him and trying to grab him cheaper throughout the season, but it's just not going to be worth the hassle and stress for me. I don't think he's going to get below 500k at any point during the season as well, so um, how much can you really save? And the problem with Lloyd is you can't watch a Sydney game if you don't own Jake Lloyd because they just put the ball into his hands whenever it's in the back half. They just go sideways to make sure it gets into his hands and he gets his, you know, regular 30 touches per game so if you if you like watching football it just destroys it for you um if you don't own him so lloyd is someone who i am sure will still maintain um a top top you know top one or two defender spot i think top one i know some people i think led might overtake him this year but for me it's just don't it's like gone it's like you could get better value options but don't cause yourself any troubles and just you know take the best player yeah, and I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of Jake Lloyd's. I traded him in for that big 189 last year. I think it was just 189, just 189. But he's just got such a high scoring potential because, as you said, so many of their players, it feels like they, they could be you know in their own goal square about to kick a goal and they see Lloyd all the way back at half back and they're like, oh, geez, he's free. So they kick it like you know, 300 meters backwards and they're like, all right, there you go, Lloyd. There's, there's your cheap touch. So they really do seek him out in that team. Maybe maybe not to that extent, but it is maybe, great. Maybe not not to 300 meters backwards. <laughs> I mean, that's like two football fields, so probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's, on the, he's on the bed. He's going home in the crowd and they're like, oh, Lloyd's leaving. He's playing in GWS and the, the kick around in, at the SEG. Spot him, <laughs> spot him open. Anyway, anyway. This Sydney Swans midfield, um, namely Luke Parker, I feel goes so far under the radar. He's kicked three goals in this one for his score of 128, but I think he does hit the scoreboard well enough during the season as it is. What are your thoughts on Luke Parker? Because he hasn't really been spoken about at all since maybe the first couple of weeks 
after Supercoach opened, do we just have a bereft of midfield options or is he not consistent enough? Like his ceiling's obviously there, but what is it about Luke Parker that is turning everybody off? It's that he just does the same thing every season where everyone knows he looks like an absolute world beater and then he just comes out and averages roughly 100. I mean, he's he's gone 108 and then followed up with a 99, then gone 112 and followed up with a 99, and then last season just went at 103. There's just way too much risk in that is this the year that he goes 110 when Swans are expected to fall down the ladder, or is he probably going to get a little bit worse, or is he going to just maintain the same... Why? Why punt on it when you when you there's no reason to expect him to suddenly get amazing this season or just get much worse. So we're expecting something similar this season as he scored last season, and that's probably around the lower hundred marks. And there doesn't seem to be any value in that selection. Yeah, and it's a little sad. I mean, when he averaged 112, he was probably one of my favorite players to watch. He was very close to dominating every game for the season and then just fell off a cliff somehow. So, yeah, not high in considerations, but someone who is high in considerations after playing just 57% time on ground, uh, did suffer an ankle injury early but came back on, scored 70 super coach points, and if he averages around 80% time on ground, that's easily a ton. And Isaac Heaney, everyone. Yes. do we? Isaac Heaney, I think he's in almost as many teams as... Dangerfield, or the combination of Dangerfield and Heaney is just absolutely out of this world. He plays in the midfield because they need someone to reinvigorate their their side and to stop them from falling down the ladder. And, you know, Heaney's going to be that person. He's going to have to step up this year. Um, and Swans are going to rely on him more. And he's averaged in the 90s the last two seasons. There's no reason why that's going to drop. And the upside is just absolutely there for him. So you may as well start him and hope that he can go 110. And worst case scenario, you get another four that scores in the 90s. Yeah, I think his floor is absolutely just so high that you know you're starting someone that you know for a 100% fact will be a top eight forward you know, without barely even trying. So, yeah, I'm not concerned at all about Isaac Heaney. And in this game, late replacement for Callum Sinclair was James Rowbottom Pistol. So just wanted to say that name. We'll move over <laughs> I to... I'm like, where are you going with this? <laughs> Sidebottom's cousin, actually. Now we'll move over to the Gold Coast Suns. And, yeah, there's not a lot to talk about here. Actually, don't start Isaac Rankin Pistol. Yes, he's uh, cops an injury. He's out for a couple of months, I believe. So, bad injury. Um, I guess I kind of wanted one. I really want to watch him play because he looks like he's going to be super exciting. But also, I kind of wanted people to start him because I didn't think it was going to be a great super coach option. And they're not going to start him anymore. So, everyone's going to be pushed towards more, very much towards the same rookies. So... Uh, it's it's a bit painful, but JB, the rookie I really want to talk about, I think it's probably the most important person to talk about in this game, is Chris Burgess. Whew. Now, I say that because he scored 15 points. And that wasn't 15 in the sub-appearance. That was uh, 15 from 86 <laughs> Yeah, they got rid of the subs. <laughs> well, that too. Um, yeah, 86% time on ground. Is he still a lock in people's sides, or what do you do now? So, he kicked a goal and scored 15. Did you hear 15. his points? 
15. How? How is that even possible? I mean, he, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. You it's, can see. It's possible, look, but look, look at his stats. Whew. You want to read out his stats? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> it's upsetting, but I don't have Burgess in my team at the moment. The only reason I will start Burgess is if we're short of options as rookies in the game. And Burgess does look like he actually has good job security, uh, especially with the Rory Thompson going down. Can play as a key defender as well, but boy, he's bad. And <laughs> I mean, it's so unfair. <laughs> well, look, we're going to back someone in as a a forward rookie price player to kick goals for Gold Coast. I mean, do we really expect him to make the 150k? Just feels like we might as well just get Garland again. <laughs> I think there's a bit of a difference. One, he I think can kick goals. He still he kicked one goal three. So you know any other given day can that's kick goals. at least three goals <laughs> one. But I, I'm more drawn to the Gold Coast fixtures. Obviously they have easy fixtures because they are no good JB. But um, the the starting I was like where am I going to go with this? I'll just say it how it is. <laughs> um, Gold Coast start playing Saints, Dockers, Bulldogs. Blues, that that's the best possible start that you could ask for. And if he's going to kick goals and get off to a hot start, like this is how it happens. Like I can I can see him coming out scoring sixty plus for the first four matches Oof. and not hitting not hitting sixty plus at all for the rest of the season. Sixty plus that, for the first four of, matches. Yeah, he can kick some goals. They kicked eleven right goals, fifteen JLT. that game, and he scored fifteen points. Yeah, that's so that's the one point for every point that they might <laughs> they might kick a. They might kick 60 behinds one game. <laughs> yeah, see, 60 behinds. He kicks one goal three. As I said, he wouldn't have gotten as much opportunity as you'd think he's going to get against against the Blues. Um, there's certainly at least some upside in that selection. And that DPP that he has, that forward defense DPP, is super handy if you're going to start somebody like Darcy Moore as well. And I don't quite know what is going to happen because... Thompson is out. Rory Thompson's out for the season. I'm not sure if they're going to... He can play back, so I don't know if they're going to swing him there. I don't really know what they're going to do then with Sam Day. Uh, I'm not really sure how they're going to structure their team. But I feel like Burgess got chosen to play, and in the first four weeks, it's going to be like his only opportunity to make money, um, and he, he'll be that guy that we're going to have to trade out like first um, to capitalize on his money before he like loses it all. So... I don't mind starting him because of those fixtures, but I'm also like absolutely terrified that I like play him and he scores negative, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> it's a detriment to my team on having you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he was playing, if he played at least one JLT game in defence, so we knew a that he was capable, and b that they don't mind playing him there, then I'd be a lot more keen on the selection, but. Just any forward in Gold Coast team probably for the next 15 years is just not on my radar. And as someone that we need to make money, like have consecutive good games, I'm not sure if he'll have one good game. I don't know if Gold Coast will have one good game, but it just it's just so hard to see him, as you said, going 60 plus three, four times <laughs> in a row. I'm trying to picture it. And I do like Burgess, you know, great guy and all, I'm sure. But, you know, he just... <laughs> He just doesn't have the right position for Supercoach in in the right in the wrong team in the wrong position in Supercoach and everything. So we'll move on to Samuel Collins before I 
Chris listens to the podcast and gets depressed, but 52 <laughs> super coach from Collins. And with Rory Thompson going now, people are concerned that he'll play more of a lockdown role, uh, which, you know, he, he did sort of do. He, he, I think he played on uh, Reed most of this game, but I think he's still a safe selection pistol. Yeah, the, the job security is everything with this selection. He's going to play every game and, He's going to score poorly at some games, and he will score very well in others. And you won't really... I, I'm going to say you'll never be able to predict it. It will be against a top team, he'll score well. Against a top team, he'll score poorly. And you just got to play him because of that superior job security. And he'll be a really slow burn. So he's just going to make the cash, but it's going to take a long time. I, I do expect him to make over 100k, but it might take all the way up until his buy. It's, it's definitely not going to be this Burgess quick cash because I'm an absolute gun kicking four goals every game for the first four <laughs> games. It's, it's just the opposite type of rookie. Um, so I do think he is a, a fine selection as well. Yep. So we'll go over to your uh, favorite player of all time, uh, not Scott Penery, <laughs> but Anthony Miles. He scored 35 points, uh, just the 14 disposals, 11 of them contested, mind you. But... <laughs> In 77% time on ground, not like JLT while Murray only played you know a quarter and scored 80, but did not look very good in this one. And you know maybe this is the new year, new miles. He's just going to pop out one score of what we expect him to do of, of 90 plus, and then a score like this where you know Gold Coast really get trampled by the opposition's midfield, and and they have to rely on Burgess to carry them. <laughs> I'm sad, JB. I love Anthony Miles. <laughs> Why couldn't he have done better? Like, I, I just really wanted to select him in my starting team, and he was locked for such a long time as well. But then Libba had to come out and just do much better for 40k less, and it's kind of a no-brainer at this stage. I feel like it's a direct comparison between those two because they're fighting for the same position in everyone's team, surely, unless you have a, a unique structure. And if you had to pick one, you've got to go with Libba. The, the upside for him to you know, go 90-plus is right there. He, he's averaged 110 before in his prime. Um, and then you've got Miles, who came out with a 35. And I feel like his floor is okay. He's going to do okay. Like, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire. I still think he can go 80-plus. I think he will go 80-plus. I, I just think that you've got two players who are both going to go 80 plus but one's upside is more than the other and is 40k cheaper so i'm just going to pick that guy <laughs> okay good cool um <laughs> now a player that uh could potentially make three percent of super coaches an absolute genius for the year scored uh, a decent score of 76 in 54 percent time on ground pierce hanley pistol Someone that whose name we've heard maybe once or twice over the TV in the last six years due to his injury history, but priced oh. at 296k, defender eligible, and obviously you know with his score of 76 in about 50% time on ground, you're looking at a score of you know a lazy 150. Don't worry about it. But, but he's obviously got the scoring potential. Can we back him into play any? consecutive games for for the season if we could he could be a sneaky point of difference pick it's it's like he's the Brad Crouch of the back line <laughs> you, you know what you're going to get he's going to score well he's always scored well he's only he's less than 300k he's so cheap JB but he's so injury prone and I really want to pick him but I, I can't pick him he's, he's 
he's going to last a couple of games. Maybe I will pick him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let, let me just go put him in my team now and see how it looks. Uh, he, he's just so ridiculously cheap, and he can score so well that, I mean, the downside is you burn a trade, which is actually quite a high downside. But it's at least not the same as, as um, Crouch, where you're paying 400 k We're talking Hanley is only 296000 So he's kind of cheap enough that you might be able to get away with it. And I just said their draw and kind of am tempting myself. This, it's a tough call. I, it, I don't know if I could do it or not, but I want to, and I don't know if I have the self-control to not do it. But again, I can't fit 45 players into my 30-man squad, so it might need to be a pass. I hope there's someone out there that selects Pierce Hanley, Brad Crouch, and Toby Green in their squad, and they all play 20 plus and an average, you know, 90 plus. That'd be that would make my year. If anyone does that, if that does happen, can you please send through your team? That'd be great. Pretty sure Tony's getting all of the uh, mid prices from Slack and is going to absolutely dominate <laughs> this year. He sent his team through and rate my team earlier, and it is just it's what everything I want my team to be. <laughs> But you don't have the yeah, the the balls to start. No, I'm I think is far too frightened. Far <laughs> too frightened. It's yeah. It's it's a team that you're like, I could do this and I could win, but also I might really just dislike my whole entire season. <laughs> but I might win. You look at every single like, player oh. in isolation and be like, love that pick, love that pick, love it. Then you look at the team and you're like, this is crazy. This will not work. <laughs> like, like yeah, it's it, it's hard playing a game for an entire season knowing that you're. Your your chances could be ruined after round one, or you could actually win after round one. And I don't know if you've got like if if you're someone that's got a short attention. I know we've kind of derailed from where we're going, but if you have a shorter attention span, or you, or yeah, maybe you not, don't take it that seriously. Just go for it. Like just take all these these mid price plays. There's a lot of them this year, but I feel like they're they're more solid than in previous years. Like there's a lot more proven players at the mid-prices rather than people we're punting on hoping that they can like reach the next level. Um, so just go for it. And you'll probably have more fun doing it anyway. I mean, like, who were we punting on last season as a mid-pricer? Roughhead? Yeah, I mean, was that the year before? Or? I, I don't even... Actually, that probably was the year before. All my years are blurred into one. So, <laughs> But I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, JB. So, like, <laughs> but like, we're, we're punting on players like Roughhead two years ago who, you know, I've never had good scoring history. Now we've got, you know, Libba, who's been a premium. Williams, who's a fallen premium. Green is there. Dyson Moore. Like, we should, we've got so many solid players, so many fallen premiums. And, you know, they're genuine. A lot of their only issue is durability, and, and that's it. It's never been that. It's never... It's always been... Oh, this guy's not durable, and he also doesn't score that well. You know, usually you've got both there, and you you have to take a punt. I digress. We've got Bulldogs <laughs> versus St Kilda next, and uh, it was St Kilda taking this game. However, Josh Dunkley played a lot of midfield time: 107 SuperCoach points, 29 disposals, a very characteristic eight tackles. 13 contested possessions. He pretty much racked up every single stat that you would want from a midfielder, except he's forward eligible. If we could lock him in for 60% midfield time a game, I think he'd be in a lot more squads pistol. Oh, Dunkley, he's been in and out of my side for the whole preseason because you, you can't pick him and then you can kind of pick him, but then you can't pick him because you don't know if he's going to be playing midfield or forward and then you see... 
him and Toby McLean and JLT1 just play forward and score badly. And then he plays midfield and then you're like, maybe I can pick him. <laughs> I feel like that's just going to happen the whole season. You're going to be like, every every round, it's, will this be the game Dunkley scores 140? Or is this a game he's just going to score 40? And you're not going to know until the game starts. And I don't think I have the life expectancy to pull that off. <laughs> the life expectancy, okay. <laughs> I, I, you only have a finite amount of years, and I, I think this will, will, will really whittle it down for me if I put chosen in my side. Yeah, you'd be you'd had complete head full of grey hair by the end of round four. I wouldn't have hair by round four. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't mind the Dunkley pick. Uh, you obviously know the risk that you're taking. I started McLean last year. I knew the risk that I was taking. Um, if there's any silver lining you can get... Humble brag. <laughs> hey, no, I'm saying... I mean, if there's any silver lining you can get from an injury, I was very lucky that Liberatore wasn't playing last season. I don't think McLean would have got half the midfield time that he got with Liberatore in the game. But yeah, so... Just keep flexing. Yeah, it was a great pick. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move over to Jackson McRae and only 104 super coach points in this one. That, that would put his uh, break even up to you know 180 to 200 if he scored that in round one. But I think you just absolutely have to start Jack McRae this year. 14 contested possessions and he only had 29, which is below his average as well. So... This was, a, I guess, a poor game by his standard. But does he need to? Does he need to give it his all in the second JLT before the season's about to start? I don't think so. I w- I'd be surprised if he was going at 100, percent and he still scored 104. So that's good. Just lock him in. He's he's, he's only going to score you tons and the occasional 180. So just just take it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like the occasional 80, but you were just like yeah, occasionally he will unfortunately put out a 180, but <laughs> the rest will be tons. Don't worry. Yeah, it's just safe pick, a good captaincy option. If you miss him, you might really regret it, especially because he's someone whose price can get out of hand very quickly. Like you're expecting him to drop in price because he's so expensive. I think that happened a couple of years ago at Dangerfield, and he actually went up after the first couple of weeks, and everyone was like, oh boy, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. um, this, you, know, you don't really know what you're going to get, but I'd hate to be on the side of not having McRae, and then three weeks in, he's gone up in price, and I'm like, oh boy, how do I work this out now? Yeah, and with everyone having him cap, he'll pretty much have a 100% captaincy, unless Grundy goes off for everyone's vice-captaincy. He'll be captained by 100% of players that own him, so, you, yeah, you're facing... 100%? That is a massive call. No, yeah, no, it wouldn't be 100%. But a, They play the Swans. A heavy is that, is amount... That a game that... Not just round one, I'm talking the season here. He's going to probably get tagged in round one. <laughs> He's a season key. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on to Tom Liberatore. I don't think we need to say much about this one. He had a stellar JLT1. 87 in JLT2, uh, just 20-odd disposals, 71% time of ground. No worries for Libba. Only three tackles in that one. I think he'll, uh, he'll average a bit more than three tackles per game. I, yeah, I genuinely just think he's the best option in any mid-price selection on any line. Yeah, that 71% time on ground is is low for him as well. So so do expect another roughly 10% and that score to push closer to 100. So he's had two very good JLT matches, 300k. Would you say he's in 100% of teams, JB? No. <laughs> he, he's definitely 100% the best mid-price option for in terms of, I guess, 
I shouldn't even say that because Brad Crouch, my God, that man. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's just a really good pick. Uh, I think I would, I'd pick him over Cousins. I'd pick him over, I was going to say Brad Crouch, but, you know, I'd pick him over Rockley if I know that one at least. <laughs> um, there's, I'd pick him over Dom Sheed. He, he, he's just really good value and he's going to score well and he, he plays in the midfield. So what more do you want? Good call. Now, we're going to move on to Tim English. Uh, we'll talk just briefly, uh, the last doggy that we'll touch on. 85 Supercoach points in 45% time on ground. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Pistol, but that 45% time on ground will probably increase during the season. 85 <laughs> Supercoach points is incredible. Well, I mean, if you've, you just need to have a look at Jackson Trangrove's time on ground as the starting ruck. Uh, he only played 40% time on ground. So during the season proper, it's going to be interesting to see if they go in <laughs> with either Trangove or English or if they're going to play them both. And if they're going to play them both, you'd expect Trangove to be the starting ruck and English to be playing more from full forward, and that's going to severely hamper his scoring potential there. Can I have someone, after the podcast, message three how many times we said season proper? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast <laughs> it's it's been a lot yes. I, I did notice that i i'd said it like three times i'm like oh i won't say season proper i'll say season <laughs> <laughs> but then you just said it again anyway we will move on to st kilda and my man pistol jack St- rowan marshall oh, no. okay. <laughs> jack nunes i mean no, jack steel 100 there have been so many jacks in st kilda there's a billion yeah there's too many they need a cover yep, for you. Okay, let's talk more about Loney. Um, <laughs> we'll start on Jack Steele, okay? So, uh, had the 25 disposals, 10 tackles, and I called it before the podcast, but still, I will say it live. He will break the tackles record this season that Devin just set last season. Jack Steele. That'd and be cool. with that amount of tackles and the decent amount of disposals he gets, considering at least 50% are generally contested also, I think he's a good pick this year. Well, with that amount of tackles, JB, comes great responsibility. And uh, I think he <laughs> I don't know if it does. <laughs> he, he, his baseline scoring, there, his floor will be very high. I think I, I was discussing it when I was talking about Brayshaw. I, I definitely understand where people are coming from. It makes sense. You pick someone that only needs 25 touches to ton up every game compared to picking someone who needs 40 touches to ton up. But if they've got 25 touches and they've tunned up, like, they need to suddenly get to like 35, 40 touches to be able to go bonkers. And he's just not someone who does it that regularly that I feel like I'm going to see that more often than I'm going to see someone like Brayshaw go bonkers. So I, I get the selection and I, I think he is a very good pick. And I also think, you know, Brayshaw is a very, I think both of them are very good picks. I don't know. I, I personally prefer Brayshaw, but I know a lot of people prefer Steele and I also can't see any reason why he won't go 105 plus this year and have a really, really high floor. So um, p- people that are playing for league, especially, uh, he's seemingly a, a very solid pick. think he can average 110. Ooh, I don't, that is high. See, I mean, I don't want to say 110 plus because I think he'll be like dead set, like on or within a point of 110. I was going to say dead, like dead on a hundred. That is a exactly very specific <laughs> prediction. But like, okay. I think in in the same vein, I think Brayshaw has the capabilities to go sort of one twelve, one fifteen ish. Gotcha. So yeah, I think they're good pick, 
both good picks. So Jack Billings, 80 supercoach points off 25 disposals and only two tackles from Jack. I don't think he'll break the tackling record. Bit soft, but... Which Jack? Billings. Sinclair? Uh, Seb Ross. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, no, sorry, Jax. Uh, yeah, Jack Billings. <laughs> so only the 80 Supercoach points. Now, I was considering him heavily in my team pistol, and then I realized something. He is the biggest downhill skiller probably in the history of the league ever. Wow, okay. That was that seems unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> the further we get through the podcast, sorry, Jack. <laughs> the more bad calls I make, or big calls that I make. But no, Jack Billings is heavily reliant on wins. Uh, we've seen a, a couple of seasons in a row now. He does score a lot higher in wins. And I don't pencil St. Kilda in for a lot of wins this year. I think Billings can be a decent pick, but I think he'll just have another year where he averages 85 and you know isn't a top eight midfield uh, forward. Sorry. So they play Suns, Bombers, Dockers, which are all three winnable games for Saints. I think Bulldogs so is a winnable might- game for Saints. I mean... Don's is a winnable game for Saints. Yeah, it can be a winnable game. Did you just see how Essendon performed in the JLT? They the full strength side. Sorry, Essendon fans. For once, that isn't me throwing hate at your club. (laughs) I I prefer Essendon to Saints, and I'm still saying it. I don't know. um, Which is which is a worry. But look, Billings. I I think can go at ninety. I I don't think I think eighty is is harsh. I said eighty five. Okay. Well. I mean that's that's more fair, but <laughs> the problem is he's got such an outside game, and it just doesn't translate that well into supercoach points unless your disposal efficiency is really high. And I'm not sure he can pull it off throughout the whole season. I don't know what's going on with his goal kicking as well. He couldn't buy a goal last year, so there's just a couple of things that need to be fixed up. But the the potential is there for for a 90 average season. He does come in only at 430k, so I feel like he is good enough to be your F6 come seasons and seasons end. And if you need kind of a value selection uh, to start the year, then he he could be it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if he was a top eight forward. But at the same time, I just I don't have him penciled in there at the moment. And yeah, I just I don't. I think he, it's more likely that he's not than than that he is. So I don't have a lot of confidence in him um, now. We'll go over to Dylan Robin and, and, and just say that we hope, hope to anyone that he is fit enough to round uh, line up for round one. I think he finds out at the end of this week his availability, and we'll talk about that more pre-round one lockout. So it's really hard to say anything, obviously, at this point, Pistol, except that we hope that he's okay. Yes, I definitely hope that he's okay, and he makes the best decision for him, not for anyone else. So, well, him and his family. So, yep. uh, we'll, we'll, I guess, just wait and see on that one, and uh, whatever will be, will be. Spot on. Now, Nick Hind, uh, we'll just touch on briefly before we move on to the next game, and, unless I've forgotten someone. You have. <laughs> <laughs> Ten disposals in this one actually look good with ball in hand, um, and that is shown with a 90% disposal efficiency. Only played a half of footy uh, with 53% time on ground. Scored 29. It just doesn't look like he's maybe in their best 22. If he is, uh, you know, he just, he'll be real fringe. I think he can average around, you know, 50 mark, but it just doesn't look like he's quite going to be up to scratch for our, our rookie selections. It's a bit difficult because we don't really know what's going to be happening with Robertson, so it's hard to make calls on the job security of a couple of the St Kilda younger That's players. True, yeah. But 
what we do know is that Hein doesn't seem to be a particularly great scorer. So even if he did play round one, it still might not be worth your while to to select him. Sure. Now, who did I forget? Well, again, depending on the availability of Robertson, maybe uh, Dara Joyce um, playing as, a, I guess, more of a, a key um, defender for St Kilda. I'm not sure how they're going to line up in their defensive structures, but um, he might be someone worthwhile considering. Again, depending, we'll have to wait on the round one teams. As well as the news today um, that uh, 102k rookie um, will be most likely added to the game. Um, in oh, Now the name's escaping me. Help me out here, JB. No, I've got no idea. <laughs> Former Collingwood player, He's, isn't he? he? Yeah, Jonathan Marsh. You Thank you for helping me with that one. Welcome. Um, he, I, I don't really think... I know they're, they're naming him as an emergency, but I feel like if they're going to play a key, like they, they can still play Dara Joyce and they can play Logan Austin. And I don't think Marsh is better than them. He might just add just in case that one of them gets injured as well. Um, so he's not somebody that I'm I'm really focusing on. But JB, is it worthwhile even just slightly touching on Rowan Marshall? I mean, you are the superior player, so thank you. <laughs> I'll let you decide. But he's not someone that's really tickled my fancy. Three hundred and forty-one k as a forward, just. I think there are better and cheaper options. And I mean, personally, I'd much rather go Toby Green and even Darcy Moore. So are you hot on him? See, the thing is, if he had forward status or ruck forward status... Yeah, that's a different story. I would be so hot on Rowan Marshall. But just the fact he's a pure forward, just it makes it so difficult to pick him. Like, I'd like to because he played unbelievably well. He can get first crack at this ruck position. He even averaged 63 from, from his 12 matches last year. So that that's fine as well. Like, that's decent scoring. And you'd think he could only improve if he's the number one ruck. And he absolutely blitzed this match. Um, I mean, you have to think of quality of opponent as well in the ruck. But he did score 112 super coach points. But... Yeah, if if only he had that ruck status, I'd be way more keen. But if you're you're in some draft league or something, and you you I know you're playing ultimate footy, and there's positional changes on, he might be worthwhile picking up late. Yeah, I completely agree. He, he's someone that could pop up on someone's radar in some form, but not for my starting super coach team in in any capacity. So. We'll move on to the next game, and it was the Western Derby Fremantle versus West Coast. Uh, I think Fremantle, I think they were up at either quarter time or half time. Maybe it was half time. I think they were up like 50 to something. And then West Coast just obliterated them in the second half. I could be wrong, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. So we'll start with David Mundy. And of all the forward options, I hear David Mundy spoken about almost the least. Now, someone who's going to move in and get a lot more midfield time, at least until Connor Blakely returns, you'd expect him being a savvy veteran that he is to just tick along and, and average his 95-ish or even plus for the first half of the season uh, until you know he maybe gets pushed out of the midfield late in the season in, in favour of a couple of rookies or when Connor Blakely does return. But I just think he's a really safe selection with a, a high floor and 25 disposals and 90 points in this game in a big loss. Sort of, sort of shows that as well. Yeah, I mean, what he's playing without Fife in this game as well, helping out in the midfield. What's his floor? Like 85? He's, he's a very safe pick. I, I don't know how much value you get out of the selection, but it's hard to 
screw up that pick. And it's funny because a lot of the time, your season is defined by the trades that you make, but also your starting season. You, you as Cheezer would say, um, I'm going to quote him, and he'll be very proud. Is you can't win it in round one, but you can lose it. And if you pick a, a forward that just is an absolutely bonkers pick that completely fails miserably, um, you pick a Toby Green from a few years ago that gets injured. You pick Jake Kelly who gets injured, and you've got my team from last year and. Um, you just you lose off the bat, but but David Mundy is one of those guys that you you pay a bit more for, but he'll be fine. Like you're you're not killing yourself with that selection. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, a selection that uh, could kill your season is Michael Walters uh, could make or kill your season. So perfect segue there. Ninety two super coach points in this one. Eighteen disposals, seven tackles, which is. I don't know if that's uncharacteristic, but I don't recall him ever being a high tackler like that before. Uh, just the 68% time on ground for the 92. So I think he's doing what he always does, and that's sort of go and get a fishing reel from somewhere and just reel a bunch of super coaches into the JLT, and then he'll end up potting someone in, in round one or scoring 60 or unfortunately doing a hamstring injury or something. I just think he's he could do absolutely anything in the game. In terms of super coach, whether it be injured, suspended, scoring 130 plus, or scoring below 80, I like him, JB. <laughs> yeah, of course you do, but he's just scary. <laughs> he his points per minute this JLT was one of the highest for forwards. His upside is most definitely there, but as you said, his downside is also there. Uh, talking yeah, about players that could kill your season, Michael Walters can take you either way, and I think he will get some midfield time, and it's just strange what um, Fremantle's forward structure is at the moment. They've kind of gone like three really big talls, and then you've got like three real smalls, um, and you know, you, yeah, you've got a couple of injuries at the moment. Um, Switowski, or, or however you pronounce his name, um, <laughs> Brad, Brad Hill got injured as well, so I, I don't really know if they're going to be playing Walter's more small in the meantime. It's it's just one of those things that, as you said, you, you don't know what you're going to get again at the beginning of the game, kind of like Dunkley. Will you, will you get Walter's pucks at full forward or will you get him through the midfield? But it could absolutely make your year. Yeah, 100% uh, could make or break your year, unfortunately, yeah, very early in the season, depending on what sort of effort he's putting in. So we'll jump into the West Coast side. Uh, not a whole lot to discuss here, but firstly, Elliot Yo played predominantly in the midfield, 21 touches and 72% time on ground. Not what we wanted to see. It's good to see that he's fit and firing, uh, ready for round one, where in which he was a concern earlier in the preseason. But I don't think he's one that's high on too many people's radars anymore, in which he might have been pre-JLT. Yeah, he, he'll play more than 80% time on ground during the season proper. And uh, <laughs> he, he will... He will score much better than this. I think he was taking it easy in the second half as well. He's someone that is still on my radar. I think he can go 110 plus this year. But JB, I think everyone's focusing more on his teammate in the midfield. Racked up 40 touches after having 39 last week. Talk to me a little about your thoughts on uh, Domathan Sheed. Really? Domathan? Uh, I didn't know where I was going with it, but yeah, (laughs) Domathan. Well, he's 394k, which is obviously extremely cheap, and currently owned, surprisingly, by 5% of teams. Now, he just feels to me like the perfect JLT trap. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be bad this year, and he obviously had a great final series last year, 
obviously pistol, but oh come on. <laughs> but I mean, scores of one hundred and thirty plus, and and it, it just seems like he's you know like you said with the Elliot Yo, he's taking it a little bit cool. Dom Sheed's more. I don't think he's fighting for his spot in the best twenty-two, but he's definitely fighting like to be a predominant midfielder for you know the next X amount of years. He needs to take every game as serious as possible and really shore up his spot in this side. I do not think he's going to be a great season during the year. I, I think he's very capable of averaging between 80 and 90, but you know, 90, 95 plus just seems a little bit too outlandish for me. I think the JLT hype has caught off a lot of people with this one. Yeah, and that, that gaff suspension really throws me. I'm not sure if he's going to have some sort of role change a little bit you know, later when, when gaff returns. As you said, he needs to play... Pre- dominantly in the midfield and I liked that that you said it without realizing um <laughs> but yeah you also said dominant midfielder so you you really just laid it on with those those dom puns so I, I did appreciate that um JB the next uh, west coast player that I would really like to talk about is Shannon Hearn who managed to score only the 89 which is lower than his his dream team he typically has a good dream team to super coach ratio um what are your thoughts on him coming into this season yeah, I mean, as we were talking about with uh, Monday, I think Hearn's just that seasoned vet, safe selection. He's, he's got a rather low ceiling. I think a 90-plus average is very well expected of him by now. And, yeah, I, I don't think he'll have a lot of games where he'll go massive and score, you know, 120, 125-plus. I'm not sure how many defenders actually have that in them at all, to be honest. But Shannon Hearn, to me, just he feels like a real safe sort of you know, he's going to score between 90 and 105 most weeks. Occasionally he'll go over, occasionally he'll go under. I think he's a safe selection for D2. And, you know, in a year where a lot of people are concerned about D2, not many people are talking about Hearn. So, yeah, I don't, like you said, with uh, Boke and Mundy, I don't think he's a great value pick, uh, someone that you could pick up later on in the season for a similar price, but someone that also you probably won't have to look at again in your team after round one, so... Um. Um, it makes sense to me, and um, there's quite a few West Coast players uh, which we've had to talk about, which is uh, still upsetting me from from last year. But uh, Jack Petrocelli, how do you see him going this year? Well, 87 in this uh, was great signs, uh, very, very surprising signs. I didn't think he had it in him to score more than 20, as he showed last year. But, yeah, if he can pull out anything even in the range of 60-plus for the season for a few weeks, like we said with Burgess earlier... He's a great selection, and with an 87, West Coast have been talking him up all preseason. Have been saying how good his uh, preseason has been. Yeah, I think he plays early games, and if he does, and if he's round named round one, he we just have to lock him into our forward uh, forward rookies. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. There's just one thing I'd like to touch on. Uh, Brett Bewley only played 41 percent as he was a late replacement uh, for Lachlan Schultz. He doesn't seem to be in the frame for a round one spot, which is very disappointing because he looked like he could have been a, a decent scoring midfield rookie. So uh, probably time to remove uh, Bewley from your, your benches. Yeah, I definitely agree. So uh, just the one last play that we'll touch on before we'll move to Collingwood Carlton, which I, I know you've been itching for all podcast. But definitely. Uh, Jack Darling, uh, 96 super coach points, 18 disposals. You touched on it earlier with the amount of players that have that annoying uh, buyer who share it with Dangerfield and Heaney, and obviously by extension, Kelly and Menegola. 
a lot of people are still considering, darling. Um, do we warn them that, that it's just not the right move, cancelling Mendegola and Tim Kelly out of your sides until the buys, or is he someone that you think can match those two or go better as a bit of a point of difference option, or what are we thinking with darling? Green also shares the same buy, so there's there's a lot of forwards with that buy, yep. so you have to be really careful. I do think Darling is severely underpriced because of the scores uh, that he got last year when he was injured. Um, he got injured in two games last year, and uh, he scored a negative one, which is just not ideal. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's hilarious. Um, just think about it for a second that you are like better off just not having someone play and having no emergency. Someone out there captaining him on that the field. week as well, for sure. It had to have been. <laughs> Maybe not against Melbourne, but still, it's just hilarious. And he also got injured and scored 14. So he had, has two very um, low scores from last year, which means his price is reflected um, because of those injury-affected games, and, and he is discounted. I do think he can do well this season. My biggest worry is he scored way better with Kennedy in the team because that allows Kennedy to take the best defender and then Darling to, to take the next best one. And if Kennedy is injured or if he's rested, you know, Darling's going to have to do a lot more work this season. And again, if you do start with him and you start with Heaney and you start with Dangerfield, you're kind of blocking yourself from getting a Geelong player um, before the bye. So you then would have to wait to get Menegol or Tim Kelly unless you don't care about the buys. And, and just again, the... The uh, Geelong, um, I guess, the couple of games leading into the bye are somewhat enticing. You've got um, Kangaroos, Bulldogs, Suns, Swans, and then Richmond right before the bye, which isn't that great. And then it's just like smooth sailing till the end of the year. So um, it's just something to be, I guess, a bit wary of if you're selecting Jack Darling to start the season. Yeah, definitely a word of warning to those uh, considering him too strongly, especially if he's your F3 alongside the usual F1 and F2. So we'll move over to Collingwood and Carlton, and a man that you've quoted uh, several times in this podcast, I think you idolize him a little bit, Adam Trelaw, wrapped up 44 (laughs) disposals, uh, six tackles a goal, first hit out for the year, 75% time on ground, 128 super coach points. I think he's under the radar pistol. I do love this pick. He is certainly under the radar. He said himself that the, there's so much more space and the accumulators are going to get more of the ball. And JB, he's an accumulator, so it helps him. He got 42 touches in his <laughs> JLT match, which is absolutely insane. And I don't see why he can't come out and average 110 for the entire season. Last year, I believe he had like the lowest standard deviation of any forward, um, sorry, any midfielder that averaged over 100. So he's consistent. And he's good. So just pick him. <laughs> he shouldn't be as unique as he is. Yep, 100% agree. And yeah, there's just nothing else I can add to that. Well, you could add something about Beams possibly, but really... Um, no, I just said there's nothing uh, else I can add Adams is out. Beams will play. Uh, Trelaw's always going to play midfield. Like he's always going to be in the guts. So you don't have to worry about Beams. So you said to me that there's something else I could add to it, but then you just said not to worry about it. Yeah, uh, I, I got you. <laughs> Jack Crisp, 99 Supercoach points. Um, bad Supercoach to Dream Team ratio there, which is kind of unlike him as well. Eight clangers for the game. None of them were free kicks as well, so he did not use the ball well. But he got a lot of it. And uh, 12 marks, four tackles as well. He looks like a safe player to go 90, 95 uh, again for the season. 
and just hover around that those sort of scores for the entirety of the season. The only thing that's concerning me is the fact that they've got Trelaw, Sidebottom, Pendlebury, uh, Dane Beams. Uh, I could go on forever here. They've got about 30 players that could average 100+. plus. Where does Crisp fit into that whole spectrum of things? Do you think uh, there's too many points going around there? Probably about eighth on the uh, list of points, but uh, I get I get your point. But still, he can average between you know ninety and hundred. And again, I feel like he's one of those David Mundy picks that's like a POD and he's just safe and he's not going to wreck you and he's not going to like save your season either. Just you pick him to like be happy and content with your side. Um, <laughs> That that's basically how I feel feel about it. There are a lot of Collingwood players that do score poorly, so I think that's where those points are going to um, come from. Because I know people are going to ask about that. But again, the, it, you'd think Collingwood, with the addition of Beams as well, are, are going to win some more games than last season. So uh, fingers crossed for that, and we don't really have to then worry too much about you know the extra points going around. Yeah, a lot to like about Collingwood, and I think Crisp is a very just like Adam Trelaw, under-the-radar selection. Um, actually, I'll look up how many teams he's in in a second. But the next player that we'll talk about, uh, I mean, we don't really need to talk about the other midfielders. I think Trelaw's the main one in that Collingwood midfield. But Brody Grundy, 85 supercoach points, technically a midfielder. Uh, 17 disposals. Um, first hit out for the JLT, and it looked like he was just sort of coasting along. Not bad. Yeah, he... He had a corked right thigh in the fourth quarter, but uh, that didn't seem to really affect his score. He just he just was getting a touch of it. I think we need to keep in mind last year, Grundy also, I think he put up two scores in the 80s as well for the JLT. So um, he, he isn't really known to like come out and absolutely smash it. And obviously he did have his career best year um, last season. So I wouldn't really freak out too much about him just, you know, peppering along I guess in the, in this JLT season and so we'll we'll come come end of round one and we'll be talking about how great he was again so for me it's just you'll lock him in he'll be a top two ruck at the end of the year and we'll just uh yeah move on with our lives yeah I definitely agree and uh three percent of teams for Jack Chris but de- definitely a point of difference uh, selection now we'll move on to the last pie unless again I've missed someone and that's Darcy Moore 97 super coach points off the 17 disposals. He had five marks, two tackles, four frees, four, five of his uh, 16, 17 disposals were contested. Did not miss a target. Oh, no, sorry, 88% uh, disposal efficiency. <laughs> I was reading uh, Jordan Roughhead there. Let's go on Jordan Roughhead, Pistol. He didn't miss a target for the whole match. But Darcy Moore looked great in his defensive role, scored 97, which I think is above expectations. And if he can just go at around 80 for the season or for as long as the season that he can get through and make us money for, I think he's a great selection. Well, I mean, the injury risk is there, but do I get some sort of shout-out? Surely you you give some sort of uh, congratulations on mentioning Darcy Moore like, at the very beginning of January, <laughs> I mean, when people were calling me absolute names on Twitter for even like slightly mentioning him as a pick, and now we've come out in the JLTs, played back, and just like dominated both games. So I, I feel like some slight sort of recognition look, wouldn't hurt. I mean, Wellesie did say in Slack that it was me. <laughs> I can't, could not believe I was livid. You jumped on, down his throat you for that one as well. You can't. You can't think JB had his eye on Darcy Moore. Like, come on, come on. Um, no, Darcy Moore, 
is playing the exact role that we thought he would play. And not only that, he's taking the kickouts like we thought he would. He's playing on like we thought he would. And he's kicking it long, hitting targets. Well, he did in this game, not so much in the other game. Um, <laughs> do I say like, he thought he, like we thought he would? Um, he's just doing everything right. And as long as his hamstring doesn't go ping like we think it will, um, oh, he will be a, just a really good cash generation player. And uh, yeah, player that is worthwhile starting on your field and you just every week you just got to be, be praying for those hammies yeah cool so on to Carlton and we'll start with Cade Simpson uh, did bounce back from his first uh, score in the 50s in JLT1 scored 105 super coach points 28 disposals 5 marks um, just the usual Cade Simpson game which makes me query as to what happened in JLT1 and if we go look at Newman he was back to uh, score. I don't want to say back to. He's obviously always been a decent scorer, but he scored 46 in this one uh, off the same amount of game time that uh, Cade played. Sorry, 10% less, but both of them over 75%. So game time was not the issue. What has happened here, Pistol? Have they Did they swap back roles, or was Cade just good this game and bad last, or was Nick Newman good last game bad this one like was is i don't understand what's happening here but i don't want to see them switching super coach scoring ability each game i kind of want to start cade simpson but i'm a little concerned uh what went wrong i feel like cade simpson's older than my dad does he really need to try in the jlt <laughs> like just let his uh let his let his body rest um throughout these games. I think in the first JLT, he was just running them around, plodding along, doing whatever he had to do. And in this game, he's like, all right, well, I guess I'll warm up a little bit. Um, it's Collingwood after all, and they, they definitely came to the party to try and beat Collingwood. Um, Cade Simpson, I would not worry about. He's had like 10 years averaging more than 90 years. Is he really just going to... Like, is this the year that he fades away? Okay, I don't really see a reason why that would be the case. Um, Nick Newman had five touches in the first quarter and then five touches for the rest of the match, and he just couldn't get near it. It was just always just a little bit off. He was always a little bit out of it. And, you know, the thing is, Nick Newman, he, that, he he's not a fully, you know, fledged premium player, so he's going to have the, the odd poor game. He'll have a lot of good games, and he'll have the odd poor game. And, you know, this was just one of them. I think it's a, a timely reminder, though, because if, he, if he'd scored 90-plus, again... Um, you know, back-to-back 90s, I think a lot of people would be starting him this year. So uh, I think you, you take that as kind of a little bit of a warning sign that, hold on, he's 400K, he's probably not going to average 95+, he's probably not going to average 90+, why am I selecting him? Um, and if you got it wrong, you got it wrong, that's fine, and there's still time to just switch it out. Yeah, and is Kate Simpson really older than your dad? No, that wouldn't make any mathematical sense. Oh, well, shout out to Pistol's dad anyway. But uh, <laughs> Patrick Cripps in this one, I don't think we need to say much. He had 24 disposals, plotted along, um, 91% time on ground, which is actually crazy. But still scored 106 super coach points because he's Patrick Cripps and he's Patrick Cripps. So Patrick Cripps him in your team and be done with it. Uh, next up is Sam Walsh, 96 super coach points again. As I say last week, we should not be expecting anywhere near 85 plus from this kid because that's just too high expectations to have on someone playing AFL for the first time. He scored 96 again, and he looks like, you know, getting up around that 75, 80 mark for the season is very, very possible. Yeah, definitely Patrick Cripps him into your side, JB. Yeah, lock him in. 
Um, <laughs> hey, using Patrick Cripps as, as that sort of describing one, I think he's perfect. So we'll move on. Uh, Will Satterfield scored 60, uh, which I don't think we need to say much about. I think that's about his expectation between 60 and 70 most rounds. We'll pop up for the occasional good score, uh, as we saw last week. Maybe not that good, but I think he's just perfect to have on your field. Next up, and maybe lastly, depending on whether I've missed someone or not, is Michael Gibbons. 34 supercoach points off the six disposals, even laid five tackles in this one. Not getting it done. Now, if we have, Pistol, three bench rookies and two or three on-field rookies, if we see five, six, seven rookies named, which I I mean, I don't think we'll see seven, obviously, but if we see a decent amount named in round one, Michael Gibbons just doesn't feel like as much of a lock as what we thought he was. And if he's scoring around these 30s, playing a forward role for Carlton, I just don't know if it's necessary to have him in our sides with that low of a scoring potential. Well, hearing how you felt about a Gold Coast forward, I'm not sure a Carlton forward pocket who played 83% time on ground for six touches is going to wet your whistle. Um, (laughs) Picking someone that is 102K feels great. The problem is when you're stuck with them for half a year because they only make you 70k, um, that's when it becomes a bit problematic. And it's not like his job security is like absolutely rock solid as well. I mean, it only takes a couple of players back from injury and a couple of poor performances and you're wondering if he if he's still in that 22. So for me, if there are the rookies that make it available to not select him and I have the cash left over, then it's very possible I go into the season without Michael Gibbons. Yeah, and, you know, come season proper, he also will have a lot of uh, (laughs) pressure around him as well. So, you know, not quite the JLT and might not be uh, too prevalent around the goals. I think that's a word. Yep, no, you've, you've, you did well adding in the extra season proper. As well. <laughs> uh, just lastly, shout out to Gory in the Slack League. David Cunningham put out a 90. Actually has looked great running through the midfield, Cunningham, and is another player priced between two and 300k in the defense. What are your actual thoughts on him? Because third season uh, could be, maybe not a breakout contender, but could go around the 70 to 80 mark. Well, I mean, he sometimes rests really far forward and also has kicked five goals in the two JLT games, which I, I can't imagine is, you know, scoring this many goals in the season proper, JB. So, um, yeah, for me, it's he's a bit too high-priced and there's not that much reward there at the, the end. Okay, excellent. So, Gory, you can now get out of my uh, DMs about Cunningham. So, uh, <laughs> I think that just about wraps us up, Pistol. All right. Well, I've been looking forward to your, your I guess, outro for this entire podcast that you promised the people on Slack. So not to put you on the spot or anything, but here's a reminder. And uh, yeah, take us, take us through it. <laughs> <laughs> I even said before the podcast, I was not prepared for an outro and then I'd just nonchalantly be like, ah, oh, damn, I forgot. And now you're reminding me. Oh, it's not going to let that slide at all. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, take us take us out, run us through our uh, Twitters, and, uh, yeah, we'll we'll play that calming music over there. <laughs> Thanks for that, Pistol. I appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, you can find us at JB underscore DRSC on Twitter, Pistol underscore DRSC and Chizo underscore DRSC. For the main Twitter account, it's Dr underscore DRC, uh, obviously go to our Facebook, leave a like and review on the podcast on the Facebook post. Be much appreciated. 
we will catch you, Pistol, next week. And I am not doing an outro, so goodbye. <laughs>